0: listening to the oz movies podcast only on the oz network
1: welcome back on the oz network for day two of our two-day Tomb Raider franchise celebration <laughs> um let's call it a celebration for at least one of us here uh we're talking about not the new tomb raider movie just yet uh i'm not happy enough uh, right now, I'm pretty miserable. <laughs> we're talking about 2001, 2003, Angelina Jolie, Tomb Raider franchise. So uh, you probably heard us just yesterday talk about Lara Croft, Tomb Raider for 2001. Now we're up to 2003, the sequel nobody wanted, <laughs> Lara Croft, Tomb Raider, The Cradle of Life. Uh, one of the longest titles in movie history. Uh, a, a movie that's way longer than it should have been, but uh, I may end up defending a little bit more than Ben. We'll have to see how it goes. Um, let's jump into it here. My name is Colin, and you're all wet, Ben.
0: And my name is... I'm glad you noticed. My, you say that to Jamie every night when she's watching this movie. Uh, you, <laughs> My name is Ben, and you can break my wrist, but I'm still going to kiss you.
1: So I noticed you're all wet and you're kissing me. <laughs> this is off to a great start.
0: Play that porn music from the first movie.
1: Uh. Yes. <laughs> but uh, I don't know. We, we, I guess we talked a little bit on the end of the last one. We can, I uh, guess, give our first impressions of this movie or our history with this movie. Uh, obviously, I wasn't a fan of the first one, despite being a big fan of the first couple of video games. Um, when this movie came out, I actually was, not as much as I hated the first movie, I would have been willing to see this when it first came out just because there was a change in, obviously, the director. We have uh, Jan DeBond here who was coming off of Speed and Twister. And then, unfortunately, he did The Haunting. Um, <laughs> but, uh, I mean, I still had some faith in the man because he did Speed and He did Twister. And Speed and, 2 and, Cruise and, Control. And <laughs> Speed 2 Cruise Control, which I like a lot more than Tomb Raider. <laughs> But, uh no, I, I had some faith in him, and I thought, the movie looks a lot better. It looks like they're using real locations and not just bland sets. So I was interested in it. It's just I wasn't interested enough where I felt like I had to go out of my way to see it. And it's probably one of these things that I would have rented when it first came out. But I just, I don't know, my interest kind of waned as people started saying, yeah, it's better than the first, but only marginally better. I would say it took maybe about three years or so before this was on TV that I actually watched. And when it did go on TV, I did watch it. And I remember not hating it, but not really being wowed by it. And I think it's been probably more than 10 years now since I saw it the one time when it first debuted on TV. And some things here are a little bit better than I think I expected. And then other things here, I'm like, well, I mean, this is really boring. <laughs> Uh maybe in some ways more boring than the first, but uh, I don't know. What's your history of this one? Did you rush out to see this since you've been quoting the first movie for two years going into this? Yeah, I've
0: just noticed this is Jan de last film he's ever directed, so... <laughs>
1: Are you serious?
0: He's not directed anything since, so um, just rip Jan yeah. de And we have officially now covering, what, uh t- like two of the five films he's directed? We've obviously yeah. done Twister, so there you go. Um... Yeah, I, I went and saw this in the movies, absolutely, absolutely. Um, because, you know, you know I love the first one, so I, I saw this. I always remember liking this movie more than the first one. But having said that, I have not watched this one barely as much as I've watched the first one. And it's kind of interesting, I probably haven't seen this movie longer than I've seen the first one. And it may have been a good five years since I've watched part one and maybe like, yeah, like you, 10 years maybe since I've seen the second one. And I kind of went into this watching. Yeah, I, I generally like this one better than the first one, but something's gone down about this movie to me. I still enjoy this film, but yeah, I kind of like you. I think there's, there's long streaks of boring parts in this film. And I kind of think there's just, the villain's just not as engaging. I'm not into Gerard Butler. Ba- I'm not really a Gerard Butler fan. I don't know. I just, eh, I just don't get the deal oh. with him. Um, and, yeah, there's, like, elements to this plot. There's just one glaring thing with this entire plot where the majority of this movie does not happen. So, um yeah, and, like, as you kind of said in the last one, this is basically, like, 80% trying to be a James Bond film and 20% Tomb Raider. Like, there, there's nothing about this film. You can just remove the Tomb Raider title and it's maybe just, a you know, the same film. Like, you've got Lara Croft branching out of her Tomb Raider abilities to join MI6, so... Um, yeah, I mean, there's still lots of entertaining stuff about this film. Uh, Angelina Jolie is still incredible as Lara Croft. Um, there's a random guy in this movie that I actually really like the actor in because he was in a really trashy movie about two years beforehand, which is terrible, but I kind of like him because of who he's meant to be in that film. We'll get to him. Um, and yeah, the locations are great in this film as well. Um, but, uh, yeah, I, I, not as, not as big on this one as the first one, but I still enjoy it
1: this was probably the first example of i guess studios realizing we'll talk more on the end but studios kind of realizing just because a movie made money it doesn't mean people liked it you know because i think star wars two years prior to tomb raider was um you know maybe the biggest hype movie in history and there would really been nothing like that up until then you know every year you have certain movies with a lot of hype but nothing at the level of like what star wars did and then Following that, it sort of brought in this new era of uh, movies kind of being front-loaded w- it would be the word for it, where the opening weekend is just so huge, and maybe in the first two weeks back then, so many people would rush out to see it, but word hadn't really got out. You know, Whereas the traditional way that movies kind of worked in the 80s and 90s is that a movie would open, and even if it opened big, movies would play for you know three, four, five weeks before they even dropped from the top spot. I mean, you could have a number one movie – for over a month and it's just word gets out and more people go and see it. But now we're here in 2001 and I guess even before the first Tomb Raider movie, the mummy came out. I remember the mummy having like a 70 million at the time, $70 million opening and people like, we've never seen anything like this. This is enormous. Um, But throughout that entire year, that just sort of continued. So, Audiences sort of change where they were just all rushing out to see a movie. Instead of you having a hundred and, you know, fifty million dollars worth of box office receipts over the course of two, three months through word getting out, you had all those people seeing in the first two weeks and then nobody really left to pass on. This movie's not very good. So I remember when they greenlit this movie, it was like an immediate thing. It's like, we're, we're definitely making Tomb Raider 2. And I remember thinking, Everybody who has seen this movie has said that it's really bad. Mm. Every critic who's watched it has said it's terrible. Nobody seems to like this movie. Why are you spending another $100 million on a sequel that nobody really wants just because the movie made money and the studios just didn't get it at the time? And here this movie was rushed. I mean it's only two years later and they jumped into it and uh, the budget is a little bit reduced. We talked about it on the last one. You know, they went from $115 million to $95 million here. I think Janabont did a much better job. This looks like a $150 million movie. The last one looked like, you said, about half of it looked like a $60 million wannabe blockbuster. Uh, but certain things do work in this movie. Um, it is kind of sad that uh, I think this killed the Tomb Raider series because maybe they were starting to get on the right track, at least with, you know, doing something in the movie, but the wrong track, as you said, of it not really being a true movie. But yet, I don't feel like a lot of people walked away from this saying, oh, it just didn't feel like Tomb Raider. I just think a lot of people walked away from saying, I didn't really care for a sequel, so I wasn't invested in it.
0: It's interesting kind of looking at, too, I know we talked a lot about last episode yesterday, kind of about the whole female aspect of this film, and, you know, looking at, like, female blockbusters around this time, and it kind of... It's it's weird to sort of bring this up in a way but you know we're talking about video game adaptations we briefly mentioned TV adaptations one movie that was a huge success i guess in the year 2000 and actually didn't do that badly critically either was um the first Charlie's Angels film which i don't think you've yeah. ever seen and i that's one of my biggest like guilty pleasures like i just it's just such a fun movie and so good and then in 2003 we got the second Charlie's Angels uh movie which was just that terrible dog's breakfast as we would call it in australia just it was (laughs) ridiculous um and you know we talk about special effects and budgets like it just went over the top and it's kind of you can see why that killed it off whereas yeah like i'm kind of with you with this it's kind of you know for the most part critically this was i guess an improvement on the first one i can see maybe why people do like this better than the first one uh you know as i said i generally always thought i liked this better than the first one too but it's kind of like it wasn't like a sequel that destroyed it, like it, it did surprise me, like as much as it was surprised to see this being green lit because of the first one wasn't exactly a success in terms of the critics, it just it baffled me that we never got one after this. And I maybe, you know, we will talk about it more at the end of this film because, yeah, I don't know, I guess they kind of looked at the box office more of this because it was basically half the box office of the first one, but, uh, Based on the subject matter and everything, considering, you know, Tomb Raider, it's always been a popular game series. We went over that last episode about how it's the most successful video game adaptation still of all time. It still baffles me that, you know, here we are fifteen years later and we're about to get this third Tomb Raider film and it's a reboot, so
1: yeah. And just to show, I guess, the difference in what um we're talking about the first movies now, the difference in what that can uh make, I think a very similar reaction people had to Tomb Raider is like what people had to the Tom Cruise version of The Mummy that came out this past year. You know, with the first Tomb Raider, it was like, this is what we got out of it. Really disappointing. Uh, this franchise deserves better. Nobody was really overly thrilled by it. Critics didn't like it. Audiences didn't like it. Made a fortune though, but guess what? As, as much money as The Mummy made, and even though it was more well received overseas, now, 17 years later, they're like, we're not going to make a sequel to this. We're not going to go on with you know all these other movies we're developing. We're going to put this on hold because it didn't work with audiences. And here they just didn't get that. So uh, it's almost sad that this movie came out and did as poorly as it did. Even though I hated that first movie, I would like to see the Tomb Raider franchise work. Mm. Uh, but yeah, th- th- this movie, uh, we'll, we'll get to the box office returns on the end of it. I mean, it, it didn't help matters. Um, but... A, a lot of things didn't work in this movie. We'll cover it. <laughs> um, let's uh, just talk about what's come back from this. I mean, you mentioned in a past episode and uh, one of our Oscar ones about Thor Ragnarok and how quickly they dispense with the first two movies and just show you something completely different. I mean, here they basically do just in the sense that there's no connection to the first movie. We have nothing to do with uh, you know her father. Uh, the backstory or anything like that. I don't think we see her house in this. Really, the only connection is Angelina Jolie is in it still, playing Lorkoff, playing it completely differently. Her performance is night and day from the first. I'm not even just talking about improvement. It doesn't even feel like the same character necessarily. And then we have you know the the two uh, goofy sidekicks, Hillary and uh, Bryce, who are both back on this one. We have the same generic villain, just not done as well. But I don't feel like they were really trying to tie this movie into the first they weren't that concerned that they they wanted this to be the sequel to the original i'm not saying it's necessarily a reboot but creatively at least i think they probably realized listen that first one didn't really work let's just try something new here
0: yeah and it's we mentioned in that first one about the whole tomb raiding aspect and that's to me the biggest disappointment about this and especially kind of on the rewatch it's just like what is, what is tomb raiding got to do with anything the first scene as you said yep sure the last scene, slightly, sure. Um, but everything else in the middle, which just, you know, like there's the bit where they're on the Great Wall of China and there was actually, um I think it might have been in the very first Tomb Raider game, there was a whole level where you're in the Great Wall of China yeah. and there's just traps and like booby things and just so many things you got to avoid to get to your goal and like it's an amazing level. So like, you, you know, it's like you had the, the thing to do there and this is kind of what we were talking about last episode about video game adaptations. It's like you have such great source material to base it on. Uh, like, I mean, I'm a huge fan of the Grand Theft Auto video game series, and, you know, that's something that I kind of don't want them to ever do a video game based on, a uh, movie based on, sorry. Because a lot of the time, actually, the video games actually rip themselves off movies in many aspects. Like, Vice City was very much a, you know, a Scarface, sort of 80s Miami sort of movie. So, yeah. yeah, so it's kind of like, what would they do there? But, like, you've got so many great levels and source materials and things like that that you could do. Like, how Assassin's Creed failed as a video, a uh, movie, I've not seen it. But, I mean, that was just such a deep video game so it
1: was it was okay it was one of the better video game movies but yeah I, I feel like with these video games you have to make it even though Tomb Raider is pretty basic in a way you need to make it bigger than what they're willing to do in these movies mm-hmm. and this movie definitely goes bigger but I it, it didn't connect it very well you know and it wasn't that interesting I mean you have a big elaborate story but the most important thing is if you don't really buy into the characters, if you don't care about what the stakes are. There's no stakes in this movie, which we'll talk about later on. Um, yeah, you, you don't really care what's going to happen. Like it, It's such a rush-through thing in both of these movies as to whatever the consequences are of not saving the world. You, you basically forget by the time the movie's over. So there's different types of storytelling. It's the same thing with a book. With a book, you can spend – you know. 12 to 15 hours investing yourself in it where six pages can give you more than what you know 60 minutes of a movie can give you just to get into the head of one character so it's hard to translate that to movie the same thing with a video game And a video game maybe there's not as much story because you only have like a couple of cutscenes and everything but you're still into it and, and you're playing for like 24 hours straight sometimes more in order to beat these games and it's just too hard to condense that i think
0: yeah, yeah, and it's it, but it's kind of what I was saying to last episode about how, you know, particularly in this period of video games, they were only really starting to kind of take over a lot with the story, and I kind of think that's again why like Assassin's Creed sort of has baffled me that why that didn't do as well. Like, so they're, they're making an Uncharted movie, which I mean, you know, Uncharted is sort of like a male Tomb Raider, but, like, he's just so, like, uh, what's his name, Nathan Drake or whatever the character's name is. He's just so charismatic and it's just all about the dialogue and the, you know, the humour of this character and how he interacts with all these sort of, um, you know, associates in the film. So, like, that to me has just got such potential to really be such a great film. But, again, as we went over last episode with the history of video game movies, like, there's just, there's no ground like one's gonna do it we know there's gonna be one movie that's gonna come along and just blow it you know could be the new tomb raider who knows um and really take this uh what should be an easy you know genre change from video game to movie to to really make it happen and you just feel one movie's gonna do it so yeah there's potential we just we just haven't seen it
1: and and all things considered i think these tomb raider movies have uh, more of a cohesive story than most of these video games do. But mm. uh, at least with this one, we have context when it starts. Like the first movie, they jump into a fight with a Transformer. Um, <laughs> and here, the I was still very confused, though. This is just showing, I'm, I'm going to compliment this movie and then criticize at the same time. Because it opens up, first of all, with the longest zoom-in titles ever. Yeah. Like, this is such a 2003 thing. Um, and then the giant title, Lara Croft, Tomb Raider, The Cradle of Life, uh, I don't know if there's any way they could have made that title longer, but th- <laughs> these zooms are just – this is also – it feels like the opening of Speed as well, which was the same thing, like this extremely long zoom in. uh, But it opens in Greece, and there's a wedding or something like that, and everybody's dancing, and everybody's happy, and some earthquake, and everything collapses. And then they jump forward to Lara, and she's on a boat, or I think she's on a jet ski here. Yes, um, you got your jet ski this is the jet ski flip for no reason whatsoever because she's Lara Croft. I got to prove I can do it. Uh, A fisherman's digging a statue out of the ground. And where I was confused, what I did like was that we immediately kind of know in this movie, and there's more exposition and more plot description in this opening, I guess, two scenes than there was in the entire first movie. But, uh, I finished this movie and honestly thought that this earthquake was from, like, 20 years earlier, and now they're just finding, you know, the the lost remnants of uh, whatever collapsed here. But this is supposed to be, like, days later, which I didn't even realize. Um, But she shows up, and, of course, she enters in a bikini and everything. And the first thing I noted was that Angelina Jolie smiles when she gets on the boat with her whole, you know, uh, you're all wet, boys, (laughs) whatever the
0: light is. (laughs) boys.
1: Yeah, you quoted that line about, right? Oh, I'll
0: get to that, don't worry. <laughs> yeah.
1: But um she kind of smiles and I was mean like I'm I'm like, I don't love Angelina Jolie, but at least she's kind of charming in this movie. You know, she has some personality and we didn't get any of that in the first one. You talk about like head tilts and licking her lips and everything. I mean, you describe it like as a porn movie, I mean, but here she's at least a likable, approachable character. And this is what I was talking about the first movie about how men and women are different and you have to present them differently in action movies. And uh this may sound like a weird comparison, but you know, you often will hear women talk about uh you know, if you have an aggressive woman in a workplace, they're kind of criticized for it. If you have an aggressive man, they're they're praised for it. That's just simply about how men and women relate to each other. I mean, you and I can bo- both uh be be uh witnesses to this. If you're a guy, you will just cut down the other guy and insult him and you know trash him, kind of like we do on the show, and that's just the way guys relate to each other, right?
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Oh well, man, I, I I don't cut you down. I'm just honest. I mean, yeah.
1: You know. <laughs> <laughs> but if you were to do that to Mallory or I would do that to Jamie, completely different reaction. The same way that if Mallory or Jamie started insulting us the way that we're insulting each other, you're going to have a different reaction to it. It's just the way men and women relate differently. So. The fact that they have her smiling and being a little bit flirty here and presenting herself as a feminine version of a tough, confident action hero. I bought her right away in this movie, and I didn't buy her at all in the first movie. So I teased it yesterday. I'm saying it now. I think huge improvement in uh, what she's able to do as an action star in this movie. And it has nothing to do with how she does the action because it's all her stunt woman, anyways. But just the confidence she projects in herself, it, it feels more realistic here. Uh, we get a whole bunch of story about uh, this this temple being built by Alexander the Great. And uh, we get her changing into her wetsuit, which is basically the poster shot of this movie. Oh, I love that
0: uh, suit.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Here's what I find funny, though. You see, Now, we can see when she's in the bikini, there's obviously not a lot of padding because they're showing full boobs there, basically. <laughs> so... We talked about in the last movie that they increased her, you know, her chest size through padding. Um, when she's in bikini, you can clearly see they're a lot smaller than they are when she changes that wetsuit, but there's nipples in the wetsuit. So they went out of their way to build nipples into the padding that went into her bra just to make it look realistic. I mean, that's a filmmaking technique that I know you can get behind, Ben.
0: Oh, absolutely. And I I wish I could work (laughs) on those films and help them out with that because I feel I could be of assistance. (laughs)
1: And of course, it has to fit. So you're going to be doing the 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 the, the mold uh, <laughs> that they work off of here, uh, the papier-mâché, to build the nipples into their wetsuit. Yes,
0: I would gladly be a papier-mâchéist in that <laughs> section. Um, uh,
1: so there's this underwater thing. Like they have these weird. What do you even call these things? These James Bond gadgets oh. that get them.
0: I don't know, underwater jet skis I mean, they've taken off since 2003 I mean, everyone has one of these So
1: Yeah, I mean, it should have just been a dog sled uh, <laughs> Swimming underwater cause That's a lot cheaper as we found in the last episode We get the, the typical, uh, I guess, local Talking about, you know uh, uh, Some temples are not meant to be found Like It's basically the mummy returns This is cursed, this is cursed And we get a lot of that in this
0: Emotep uh,
1: Emotep um, here, I know you're gonna love this. That we we both talk about the Jaws movies, and Jaws four gets so much criticism From <laughs> oh. the screaming shark. She punches a shark in the face, and it actually goes ah! Well, y- y- yeah, and it comes back later and does the same thing. Uh,
0: I don't think she doesn't punch it at first, though. Does she? She punches it a second time, right?
1: Well, I know she punches it uh, at the at second something. time,
0: and this first one it just kind of goes past and goes ah! Yeah. It- <sighs>
1: And, this, and it is ah, the worst. Like ah, it okay, a porg. it's
0: terrible. Porgs better at like this. This looks ridiculous. Like this, you know. Like the shark in the first jaws look more realistic than this one.
1: Hmm. Yeah. Oh well. Uh, bad CGI. Two thousand three. We talked oh. about even the mummy. The mummy has great effects, and there's some good CGI in the mummy. Uh, or the Mummy returns, but yeah, and then the Rock comes out. Good- <laughs> <laughs> then the Rock comes out. Yeah, I mean CGI during this time period works best if you're not doing something that's living. Uh, <laughs> any type of living creature doesn't look good. I mean, the or, or surfing Star icebergs.
0: Prequels, uh, you know, uh,
1: yeah, exactly. I mean, <laughs> the Star Wars prequels I think got away with it a little bit because they weren't making like creatures that uh, you know humans. Uh, have ever seen before so you can make it look however you want but like it, it's it's not good those effects and they're not the worst effects in the movie either but this underwater temple they find this alexander the great temple or whatever this set is incredible now yeah. this is probably the my favorite part of the whole movie this whole sequence here and i'm behind it at this point because it still feels like a tomb raider movie it's an un- underwater or whatever but i can't remember which tomb raider game it was but it was one of the early ones maybe three or four whether it was just like half the game was swimming and we mentioned like that first one, you know, you dive into the pool, you come out, you harass the butler until he farts. <laughs> yeah. But there's a, there's a lot of swimming in the Tomb Raider games. And I, I like that they kind of built that into this, but this underwater set looks incredible. Now I sound like you sound the first one. I'm the, I'm like, what a great movie here. This is awesome. <laughs> but uh, here's something I cannot explain. And there are still moments here where they give her this superhuman acrobatic stuff that I know. They wanted to make like the video game, but there are so few moments in this movie where they give her those video game moves. It's not like the first one with the bungee cord where it just feels out of context. Where she, there's these wires and she's making her way across and she could shimmy her way across these cables or wires. She could crawl across it. She could, you know, just pull herself or jump. She somersaults several times across two suspended wires. And this is the most efficient way to get there. It just looks really stupid. Um, eventually, uh, she takes a spear to the leg uh, and apparently feels no pain. There's something that still sticks around. They, they remedy it a little bit on the end of the movie. But as long she takes a spear to the leg and then just runs around unaffected by it. Typical Angelina Jolie lack of uh, acting, or not Typical acting, Angelina Jolie. experience. Always getting hurt Chippling. and just
0: not being affected. That's just how she rolls.
1: That's the media's number no one complaint about her. You know, She kisses her brother... She has weird relationships. Okay, she
0: doesn't just kiss her brother. She makes out with her brother, all right? There's a
1: difference. She has mouth sex with her brother. She <laughs> takes spears to the legs and is unaffected by it. These are the Angelina Jolie complaints <laughs> that everybody talks about. Um, but uh, I guess this action sequence is fun, though, even though it is very much ripped off of The Mummy Returns, that opening s- sequence with The Mummy Returns where, you know, the bad guys sort of come in and they're trying to steal something. You know, you barely get away, all the water rushing in. Uh, the setup here is basically these Chinese agents, I guess, who are going to come later in the movie and then disappear as if they were played by Daniel Craig. <laughs> but I, I like the action sequence still. Um, I guess the last thing that we can really talk about here, we'll... we'll cap it before we get to our great villain introduction here uh but the second time this is where we come out i think you were talking about and you know the growling shark again where she punches it in the face uh but i love that her trick here as she's leaving she cuts her own hand so that she bleeds and it's all about i'm going to lure these sharks toward me so i could ride the sharks it just seems like such a ridiculous plan like it's, it's another one of those things that I think are so over the top and so overly confident and arrogant that it just doesn't make any sense. Like, who's gonna say, I'm gonna cut myself and then hope a shark doesn't bite me and then ride the shark to the surface. So, kind of a dumb ending here, but I mean, they're just throwing everything, everything at you and trying to come up with an exciting opening in the movie. And for the most part, I kind of like this opening.
0: Yeah, the one thing, like, you hear the famous, uh, jumping the shark that's the end of a TV series. Clearly, punching the shark this time around, uh, yes. ended the franchise. <laughs> Um yeah, I mean I I agree. Like I think it's a great sort of the set is amazing. I, I that bit where she comes on the boat, Hello boys, you're all wet. You're uh,
1: all
0: wet. <laughs> um yeah, my friend Trent and I used to always go, Hello boys like just anyway. Uh because she sounds amazing in a accent. <laughs> you hadn't accent. seen
1: Tomb Raider yet. <laughs> yeah, we
0: just made it up. We we were the we were the basis of that line. Uh they were like, yeah. Oh, two <laughs> random teenage boys in Australia. Keep quoting this line. We might put it in the movie. Um I, it's so long after this movie that I always just assumed Angelina Jolie was British. There was, was just so much. Cause isn't she British in Alexander too? Can we point out she's searching the tombs here that her son left behind her? Um, because she's, uh, the weird in, she plays the role of incest very well in movies cause she's used to it in real life, Angelina Jolie. <laughs> um, I've watched her Academy Award uh, acceptance speech in preparation for this. And just the way she opens up and she's like, I'm so in love with my brother. It's like, whoa, yeah. there's no going back from that. <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah. But like there's, there's like I, I, the set, I kind of like these like random Greek brothers. They're kind of fun. And just like the, the back and forth, like, um, what is she saying? Like, Oh, you know, would you like, to, would you like to be with two eligible Greek bachelors or whatever and become rich? And she's like, Oh, when I meet two, I'll know or something like that. And they're just like, Oh, she was talking about you. No, she was talking about you. Like, I like these Greek guys and they just get murdered pretty quickly. Um but yeah, this shark bit like okay. If you cut like sharks, we all know they love blood, they can smell it kilometers away. Now, I'm sure that if a shark's coming at you, A, they're in their natural environment, so they're super fast. They could just easily eat Lara Croft straight away. If you punch a shark, is this shark really going to be whimper like a little puppy? Ew, 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 I'm not going to try and attack. Shark's the king of the food chain. This is like the same yeah. example that like if as a human being, I don't know, you see a, a fish, a fish. You catch a fish and a fish slaps you. Oh, I don't want to. Ooh, I'm not going to cut that fish up again. I'm never eating fish again. Like I mean, like this shark swims away like a lost little puppy. Then she's floating in the water for how long before the biggest submarine in the world that's just somehow in the Greek harbor? <laughs> like she hasn't been eaten by sharks since. Um, but yeah, it's it's you know it's kind of weird the way they go about it. But the one thing I want to say, I love the um, the wetsuit, which obviously as you said is kind of yeah. on the posters, <laughs> because the one the weird thing I didn't really mention last episode is. Um, you know, you mentioned the tank top, the iconic sort of shorts and the tank top. To me, I actually came out of that going, kind of, oh, she never wore, like, the famous green tank top, which is, like, you know, the one that she was always in the video games early on. And this is, it's not green, but it's kind of got a weird shade to it, which I kind of appreciate. That's just a weird little thing I wanted to mention. I just have this poster on my wall, so I'm very familiar with this poster. Um, but. Yeah, that's the opening of it. And actually, just one thing I read, apparently at one point in this movie, I don't know what scene it is, but she had a a stunt person that actually was a man. So, there you Ah. go. Sexist. (laughs)
1: Um, From here, the plot kind of gets introduced, which I'm going to have a hard time trying to explain here, so I'm not going to try too hard. But we get introduced to our villain, who is basically Count Dracula. (laughs) (laughs) It's Thomas Bach! <laughs> uh this is Steppenwolf though. I don't know if you realize that. Is it? Yeah, from from Justice League.
0: Really? Oh. Yeah. Okay. So
1: um Well
0: I, I can tell you which this, movie you did a better job as the villain. It's not this one yeah. <laughs> that we're covering right now.
1: And again, like a lot of people are critical of, you know, Steppenwolf yeah. of, uh not being that great in Justice League. I thought Steppenwolf was great in there, but uh uh Syrian Hines here uh plays Steppenwolf in Justice League, but uh I guess his original villain character was as jonathan reese or jonathan rice uh or count dracula in cradle of life here i mean he is so bad in this movie and he's a pretty you look through some of the other movies he's made here i mean i a lot of other things i know him from that he's really good in this is just a bad villain and uh, totally uninteresting and i think one of the problems is his introduction here on his plane scene this is just the exact same scene from goldfinger and a view to a kill that we've seen in two james bond movies already Again, this movie just borrowing way too much from James Bond and not enough from Indiana Jones or even the Tomb Raider video games that already exist. It's just, it's what is he poisoning somebody in the plane? Oh, you're not going with my plan. Is I've seen this scene already, so I'm not interested. I'm not interested in him as a villain. This doesn't feel original. Uh, we cut back to Lara, and obviously, the robot <coughs> is gone because now she's forcing her men servants to fight with her, and this is going to become. The running theme of the movie where these guys have now officially become her slaves because yeah. uh, uh, I, I love where she's talking about, you know, getting the orb back or whatever. And they're of course, they have all of the knowledge, just like I explained in the first movie. She does nothing and seems to know nothing in these movies for this expert archaeologist. And they're talking, We're never going to find this unless we search for every single orb in the history of Greek mythology ever. And she's like, all right, start with and she throws the knife. This one. I'm just wondering, like, are, are these guys legitimately slaves of hers? And then she excused herself to go off on a horseback ride and, you know, basically do a training sequence from one of the video games, which still does not feature her swimming in her pool or making her <laughs> butler fart. So much great source material we're not using here. But... Yeah, she's arrogant. These guys just do whatever that she tells her. She does nothing in these movies, acquires no knowledge for herself. And uh then we find out as these um MI6 agents show up that uh the the Chinese agents have been following her or they had been following her there. They explain that this entire plot's gonna be about Pandora's box and that Pandora's box which gives life. There's it also gives, you know, a plague that can wipe out life. So this is The consequences, this is the threat of the movie, as I said, which barely comes up later on. And we have the one line, maybe one of the good lines in the movie, although it's something I hate about the first movie, is where they talk about, you know, her majesty. Well, now that I have her majesty's permission, it's a pretty good line, but totally fits in the whole thing about her just having no respect for anybody later on. But here's the problem. We've already talked about it. MI6 have better people for this job than a completely... (laughs) uh lazy uh uneducated apparently uh wannabe archaeologist who has no respect for anybody doesn't listen to anybody she's a tomb raider which basically means she's a grave robber essentially (laughs) and she's the best person for this job and then she's like i've got just the man who can help us with this how about the the traitor that sold out his country and his men or whatever (laughs) This is basically, if this were a James Bond movie, this is them saying, you know what? The world's gonna end Blofeld. He's got this giant weapon. I mean, uh, Stromberg. He's gonna create a civilization under the sea. Drax is gonna blow up the planet and live in space. I know just the man to save us. Professor Dent. And then <laughs> Professor Dent says, i've got just the guy to help us his name is Silva, and then the adventure is off like there's no way this is mi 6s best option yeah um just because and he's the then,
0: only british operative to ever have uh connections with the shaolin or whatever they're called like the only one british person in the yeah, history exactly. of mi6 has come into yeah. contact with this secret chinese society
1: I mean who is stationed in uh station C or wherever in China for however many years? I mean they've got they've got people for that. It's just yeah. Doesn't make any sense. But I guess it's a tumor. You got to explain it somehow why why else is she in there? Uh I just love it she's an expert. They come to her because she's an expert who does nothing but combat training in both of these movies. Do you ever see her pick up a book even once? You see her throw a knife into a book. She doesn't read anything. All she does is combat training, and yet where did they lose that she's supposed to be an archaeologist in these movies? But not all the best
0: people in the world, Colin Hilding, read books, all right? Some people just know shit, all right? <laughs> There's nothing wrong with not reading books. You leave us non-book readers alone.
1: <laughs> this movie was written by Ben Waterworth and his best friend. We're now learning that. That's why they're the only people who quote the Tomb Raider movies.
0: <laughs> Hello, boys. Uh, You're all wet. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, I'll, I'll just... Group in the next section here before we start getting into the action. So they go off to recruit the traitor. And, of course, she doesn't have an escort. She says, well, I don't need your your army or your your other men or whatever. I could do this all my own. And they're like, all right, see ya. Like they, they could have sent a couple of, like, agents to help because there's a lot of points in this movie where having a couple of guns behind her would have helped. But, no, they just say, okay, go off and recruit your traitor. Uh, we see Gerard Butler – Doing chin-ups in his prison cell with his muscles rippling. This is just like Daniel Craig's objectification in the first movie in the shower. Uh, but I don't know what you're talking about. I, I already, I like Gerard Butler a lot better than Daniel Craig. And I don't like Gerard Butler better than Daniel Craig all around. But in this movie, I like him a lot better than what we got at Daniel Craig the first time. Like he, he's a fun character at least, and he has a purpose in this movie. And there are some quirks that we'll get later on that, uh, that kind of make him more interesting. But she recruits him. Uh I, I like the, the guy who um welcomes them to the f- facility. is like I am your host, welcome to Fantasy Island. <laughs>
0: <laughs> the plan, this guy the plan. He
1: he's basically the uh the jail keeper, the jail warden from the first mummy movie. Again, they're boring <laughs> a lot from the mummy movies here in two thousand three, but I wanted more of this guy, but we'll just kinda leave it there with Gerard Butler's introduction if you have a lot to talk about his chin ups.
0: He's got a resting bitch face. Like he just, yes, he his look about him that just—I
1: just. I, just I should not have taken a sip of water before. He said. <laughs> like uh,
0: I, <laughs> to me, he's like um, Channing Tatum. Like he's got a great body, cool. But like, I don't want to see his face. Like you know, like I mean, he doesn't look like a thumb like Channing Tatum. But I mean, you know, he's still whatever. Um. Yeah, I I like th- I love the sequence. though, like the, the training bit where she's on the horse, I kind of think that's a fun bit. The helicopter comes in and what she like, you know, oh we've got some guests, Lara. Do you want some tea? You no, know, tears, you know not for guests or whatever it is. It's for intruders, Whatever she says. Um, but like okay, so this is kind of the Indiana Jones style of thing where you kind of get this great mythological thing that's a you know a bit of a story, but it's real. You know, like Holy Grail and things like that. So this is Pandora's box. Great. I think there's like this is a great idea that I feel that could have been handled better, because, yeah, like, they really kind of just gel over it, don't they, till right at the end. Um, so it's kind of, it's got potential there. But my biggest thing about this whole um, storyline, and I keep mentioning about this giant plot hole, and I, I don't know if I'm jumping in here, because I think we've discovered the Orbs are map, haven't we, at this point? Um, yeah. Her whole purpose is to make sure that these guys do not open Pandora's box, right? So instead of making this a mission to find the orb, to find where Pandora's box is to protect it, can't they just be like, get the orb and destroy it? You destroy the orb, you destroy the map, no one knows where Pandora's box is, game over. Like, that to me... It's just what you need to do. That should be the mission. Like, okay, it's great, we want to find Pandora's box, but unless the MI6 is like, get Pandora's box and bring it to the Queen so she can open it. Like, just destroy the frickin' orb! That's it, done!
1: It's... I mean, it works with shooting it with a gun in the first movie, so why not?
0: Like, I mean, I get it, she's a Tomb Raider. Ooh, she wants to keep, like, artifacts and things. But, like... Does she even walk away with this at the end? Like, I I don't think she does. Like, it's, she gives the necklacing back to the, the African tribes people. So like, this is the whole thing. I'm gonna bring this up a thousand times in this episode when she gets the orb. Just destroy it! Like, that's it! Movie over! Um, you
1: know, six months later, somebody else is going to find it, and they're going to unleash a plague on the world.
0: Yeah, like what the the Shay Lin and Mister Rice cooker is the only evil person in the world. Like, you know, what if Os- Osama bin Laden hadn't been killed at this point? You know, what about <sighs> like Lara Croft hunts down Osama bin Laden? You know, we talked about that in uh, you know, Die Another Day episode. I don't remember. Why <laughs> isn't Bond hunting down Osama bin Laden? Um mm-hmm. I yeah, the the thing I mentioned how much I love Bryce and Hillary in the first movie, it just they're so underused in this movie and it's just like they're they're yeah. funny scenes, sure, but they're just not used to their potential and like yeah, they're just slaves and they're just kind of there. And I mean I just don't like the one thing I'll say about Gerard Butler, yeah, I'm not a fan of his. I, I like kind of how these two work off each other and I kind of like the twist that comes about at the end with the you know, this thing, so I, I like all that. But at the same time, I just... I don't know if... Does Lara Croft really need kind of a partner? Like, I know kind of he comes as a partner, but re- disappears, so. and then he'll appear again. But, um... I don't know. I, I think kind of Lara Croft works better by herself. I don't know. Maybe that's just me.
1: No. I mean, I, I... I can't remember which movie it was we talked about this in, about uh how I feel like your hero needs somebody to play off of, otherwise they're just going to be boring, because they have nobody to talk to. And... Uh, I think it was one of the James Bond movies that we even talked about that in. But um, here, it's not necessarily that she needs a partner, but she needs somebody to have conversations with. And she needs somebody to actually have rapport with. And that's one of the problems of the first movies is she spent so much time just, I've got it, I'm doing it all myself, that she wasn't that interesting. She just was superhuman and there was no reason for whatever she did. And yeah, you could have accomplished this by having her you know with with bryce and hillary or whatever every once in a while and then she could interact with the villains because there's uh, i guess with um uh the the, ch- the chinese villain or henchman that they have in this movie uh that could kind of be a fun dynamic he could have done more with but at least i like in this movie that there's always that question with gerard butler like who we're gonna see in a minute like whose side is he on can i trust him you know can i not trust him I'm not that interested in their past relationship, but at least it gives her an opportunity to deliver some one line or somebody to talk to and somebody to play off of.
0: Can I, can I ask a question that, if Jamie's around, you ask to her, really? Who, who would she rather, um, I guess, do chin-ups with or have showers with, Daniel Craig or Gerard Butler? Who wins the Jamie- Battle of the Bodies?
1: You're playing Pokemon, okay. Well <gasps> I just more interesting. Ask Ketchum,
0: here? clearly. Brock, Misty, no. Um
1: Oh, great video game based on a uh, movie based on a video game, Pokemon. Um... Hey, don't don't right. knock Pokemon. I know they're doing that Ryan Reynolds is supposed to be uh, Doctor Pikachu. Okay. That sounds great. Um <laughs> anyway. <laughs> uh who would you rather, Daniel Craig or Gerard Butler? <laughs> both at the same time <laughs> whoa that took a turn
0: <laughs> that's
1: um she loves Phantom of the Opera Gerard Butler too as I think most women strangely enough too.
0: Uh, I just uh, not a fan sorry Jamie like no I...
1: here's the funny thing before James Bond came out and it wasn't at this point I don't think I knew I hadn't watched this movie when it first came out so I didn't know who Gerard Butler was but uh what was it the year before this? No, I I guess I would have when he came out with this the year before this, he made a movie called reign of fire, Mm. uh, which was Matthew McConaughey, Christian Bale. Uh, and he was kind of a supporting role in it. But I remember watching that movie and thinking like, this guy's like really fun. I I think he'd make a great James Bond. And it was maybe about a year or two later, I, I guess around the time of phantom of the opera where they started talking a lot about Gerard Butler potentially being James Bond but from that point on, I loved him. I, I love him. I actually am a huge fan of the Phantom of the Opera movie, and he's great in that, and obviously Whoa. the 300 a few years later. Um, he's done a lot, though. I mean, it's not just action movies. Uh, the Ugly Truth, I don't know if you ever saw that. It's it's a terrible movie, but he's really funny in it. And uh, The Bounty Hunter, again, terrible movie, but he's really funny in it. <laughs> well, uh, he's done um... some pretty bad that he's pretty
0: funny in. I'm just looking at Phantom of the Opera movie here that uh, Kieran Ciaran Hines, uh, Mr. Rice, is in that. Um, and our favourite Mini Driver, of course, is in yes. <laughs> Phantom of the Opera, which, funnily enough, to connect it back to Tomb Raider, uh, Mini Driver voiced Lara Croft in the animated series. There you go. Uh, well, there was so- an an- uh, I don't think it went for very long um, but oh. uh, And of course to link back to Mini driver James Bond uh, Gerard Butler apparently was a very tiny role In Tomorrow Never Dies I did not realise that He was one of the people on the Devonshire In the opening scene So there you go
1: Um, But anyways I like Gerard Butler So yeah. uh, I mean he doesn't have the most to work with here But he has a presence And he's basically playing Gerard Butler Like is it really any different than we get In any of his other movies No but at least they were thinking this. The first movie they spent so so much time just trying to make Lara Croft the the center of the movie to the point where nobody else was even interesting, including Daniel Craig. That here at least I'm I'm appreciating that there's other people with different personalities and there's some conflict and some relationship we have here, and it's not just that he disappears. But I don't know. We'll get to that later. Anything else you want to talk about uh, with the introduction here? We don't want to jump into. Uh, the Great Wall of China and all that.
0: No, uh, the one thing I think we haven't met him yet. Uh, we're about to maybe uh, in one of these random scenes. The the random sort of henchman that uh, Mr. Rice has, who's kind of like this the German sort of guy. Oh. he believes, German. Til Schweiger. Who yeah. I'm actually a big fan of. I like Til Schweiger. He was a um, terrible movie called Driven. I don't know if you've ever seen it. I lesson. love Driven. But when I, okay, I'm, I'm going to reiterate my comments here. When I say terrible, as a motor racing fan, it's terrible. But as yeah. just an absolute random guilty pleasure of a film, I love it too. Just because it's yeah. so bad, it's good. And I think kind of what I appreciate about it is that Sylvester Stallone initially wanted to make that about Formula One, but he kind of just couldn't get enough into it, so he just switched it over to Indy cars. And the character that Till Schweiger plays of Bo Brandenburg is so heavily influenced on my favouritest driver of all time, Michael Schumacher, because he's this arrogant, German, successful driver. So, I always kind of really liked Till Schweiger, just because he sort of played Michael Schumacher in a movie. Um, but, yeah, we have to do Driven one day to kind of, like... Yeah, well, we've got... <laughs>
1: <laughs> Lost in Space and Driven, two yeah. movies officially added to Guilty Pleasures Month.
0: <laughs> yes, and uh, when we get to uh, covering the esteemed career of Estella Warren, the forgotten actress. What um, oh, whatever happened to Estella Warren? <laughs> uh,
1: I, I, I oh, There's somebody that I'm going to go on a rant about, but uh, <laughs> we'll save that for Guilty Pleasures Month. Is
0: anyone in this world not going to go on a rant about her? I mean, she's good to look at, but I mean, you know, Jesus Christ, she's a terrible actor.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, so here's one of my weird complaints about this movie. This upcoming action sequence we're going to get, where, where they basically say, uh, you know, I've got something that's faster, you know, with how quickly they have to get into China here or whatever. Uh, it's such a throwaway action sequence. I'm like, why is this in the movie? And this is kind of the most common thing with modern action movies. They think that by having about 36 Action sequences that all last about thirty seconds long. That it's going to make it more exciting, but I feel like this. What's the point of them zooming in, in this jet and then just ditching it right away? And and plus, this is like billion billion dollar destruction here with no consequences. I mean, MI6 is never going to hire her again after this. They'll be like, you know, you take a dog sled next time. But but also <laughs> the biggest complaint I have here is that she says I've got something a little faster, or he says I can't remember which one. And then they have this jet that they take in. And after 15 seconds, you know, this thing blows up and crashes and they parachute down. And then what do they do? All by their own plan, they're like, let's start walking for about 20 kilometers. (laughs) This is the fastest way in there again. Just hop on the dog sled. You'd be there like six hours ago. There's so much time. We talked about this in the last movie about just having to have three – modes of transportation just because it looks different to get to one place these movies waste so much time when they can just have one mode of transportation because what do they do after they start stop walking here they stop very quickly to talk very respectfully to some local villagers and then they hop on their motorcycles and they ride on the great wall of china so yeah. Where are the tourists at this time of day, too? Because they should be, like, bowling over a 100 tourists on top of the Great Wall of China. Nobody is there to monitor this. And, again, so respectful of the villager. Let's ride on this, one of the great wonders of the world, just speeding along on our motorcycles, jumping off of it, doing tricks. Uh, and then here was a hilarious moment. I, I love the dialogue exchange here. You know, uh, I expect more from a Scot. I don't expect anything from an English woman. <laughs> But the best thing about this is that they're speaking at regular – we're talking louder right now than they're speaking as these motorcycles are roaring around them. And I could just totally imagine Jan DeBont thinking, you know, I need to get a good performance out of this. And they're sitting there delivering it and like screaming at each other. Let's try it once just with inside voices just to see what it sounds like. And he's like, <laughs> cut, perfect, print it. Why are they talking so quietly to each other on these motorcycles? Uh, they're going to be quiet. Effect. They don't want
0: to get caught. <laughs>
1: Yeah, exactly. You're motorcycling <laughs> on the Great Wall of China. You don't want to tip anybody. Panda off that spies. You're
0: there. Panda spies are yeah. around everywhere. <laughs> uh,
1: we'll just group in here. Uh, I guess a brief conversation after they get off their motorcycles. And what do they do? This quickest way in there. Let's walk a little bit more. <laughs> and they have this brief conversation as they're talking about, uh, you know, I guess their past relationship or whatever, and. You know, uh, was I just another fling or whatever? And then it gets to his big plan where they get taken prisoner by the, the Chinese agents or whatever, these uh, Chinese henchmen or minions. And Gerard Butler starts to play this like he's a double agent. So I'm just going to – let's get through this. So I'm just going to go the, the whole sequence here that follows. So they get taken prisoner by the Chinese. Gerard Butler all of a sudden is acting like he's in on it. It's like, I delivered you Lara Croft. And this is what I liked about his character. They could have done a little bit more with him, but still, it's something. It's not just Daniel Craig's there, he's showering, and then he's dead, and then he's back to life, and then he's gone. Um, and we get introduced to the Terracotta Stone Army because stone monkeys weren't <laughs> enough last time. Now we're going to be stone men who don't move. So <laughs> this is where the $20 million left the movie, apparently. They said, it's basically we will the uh, give Toronto
0: you- Maple Leaves. Sorry.
1: Yes, exactly. Uh, We will give you a stone army, but they can't move this time. We wasted all our money on the first one. We're out of moving stone men. That's where that extra
0: $17 million was in the first film. They could move the... Oh, no, we can't afford to move him this time. Just put him still.
1: It cost $17 million to make stone move for three minutes straight. We don't have that money anymore. Uh, 9-11's happened. we got to be responsible. (laughs) Um... So we get the, the, this talk about Rice is going to double-cross you, and, his, and this is another character, I guess, the, the the Chinese henchman here, who they probably could have done more with. Because it's sort of him working with Rice, and then Laura saying he's going to double-cross you, and him saying, well, maybe I'll work with you, but what's in it for me? And again, it just gets dropped from this point on, kind of a missed opportunity. Um eventually you get the fight scene between these two and this is i guess an okay action sequence though i don't understand why they just have to chop these stone men in half who aren't moving <laughs> because they're not monkeys apparently and only monkeys move if they're stone uh we get a, a cool little exit here uh after the fight where uh her and Gerard Butler after he comes to the rescue because he's not a double agent he's back on her side again and this is a cool stunt in the movie where they rappel down, upside down. Mm. It looks spectacular. Uh, and then, of course, they get the bottom. This is why Gerard Butler's needed in this movie. They get to the bottom after rappelling from their feet, hanging upside down, shooting people. And he goes, you know, there was a staircase we could have used. <laughs> like a throwaway line. But it really – one of the few moments that really made me laugh. So uh, we'll uh, end it off with that, uh, that exit there and the great one-liner.
0: It reminds me of, um, uh, I think it was a year later, I think in 2003, or 2004, wasn't it? Uh, in Johnny English, when he goes up through the toilets, and then Natalie and Brulli is like, oh, there was a ladder next door, didn't you see? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's only a bit of poo. Um, God, I love that movie. Um, yeah, it's the thing that, um, is kind of interesting about the whole, like, plane, the, the frickin' jet thing. They're all like, oh, you know, we've got to be undetected by the Chinese. Like, you know, all this sort of stuff. Like, think back to Tomorrow Never Dies. We seem to be that that up a lot all of a sudden. Was it the halo jump or whatever it is and, you know, how they had to open it up at a certain point because of the radar. They explain that to you in, like, 60 seconds, enough for you to understand. It. Okay, cool, yep. got it. We understand what he's got to do. This, they're literally in this goddamn thing and they're all like, aren't we going to be detected? No, not if we do this. Boom, 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 boom. And you've got poor little, like, Chinese guy on a boat. Who like has gotten to seeing this giant spaceshipy looking thing destroying him, as if he's not going to ring up the government or something like that? And just yeah. like, it's, I know they're a communist nation, but surely there's going to be a question asked, like, Mister President, were you like flying this jet that crashed into a rock, and a then million you know, dollar jet just
1: crashed into a mountain, and nobody's
0: like, reporting this. And they've left debris. It's just floating in the Yangtze yeah. River or whatever river they're on. It's just chilling. Like, you know, surely somebody's <laughs> going to discover this. And like, as you said, the Great Wall of China, which, you know, I'm sure the Chinese government monitors the Great Wall of China of its cultural significance. You know, that's like the US, ah, oh, the trade centres, we don't need to look at them, nothing's going to happen to them. Like, no, it's fine. So, like, surely there's going to be reports of, you know, a, an English woman and a Scottish guy <laughs> riding motorbikes crazily on them. Uh, I also do love the random, you know, you talk about uh, objectifying uh, you know, the men in these films. Let's just randomly have Gerard Butler take his shirt off and do this weird pan zoom on his body. Like, it's uh-huh. kind of just, you always got to have this. It's like, I get it, he's got to change his clothes, but why do you need the overly, you know, sweeping shot of his body? There's no other reason in that for women and Jamie and men of certain, you know, persuasions to go, oh. you know, like, I mean, I'm not complaining when it's Angelina Jolie's side boo, but I'm not into Gerard Butler's grateable chest. So, you know. But if I don't it was Daniel where...
1: Craig,
0: maybe. Oh, it was Daniel Craig. That's fine. That's normal. Like, you know, I've got a pulse. I'm not blind. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah. And like this whole thing with the, the, the Shaolin or whatever it is and kind of, um, what's his name? Chen Lo, like. To me, it's like Mr. Wilson in the first movie. Like, it's there, but it's only serving as sort of a middle ground for her to get to the ultimate bad villain. There's just It's just, it's pointless to me. Like, there's so much more you could have done with this. Like, I like that whole back and forth about, like, well, why should I trust you and not Mr. Rice? You know what I mean? So, and it brings, like, an interesting fight sequence. You know, I kind of like the bit when she's down to those, like, little bits of bamboo and she throws it and pins him up against one of the the warriors. I kind of like that. Um... But yeah, I don't know. I just, it's just, it's there and it kind of, you, just, you can go without this bit. I just don't think this is, they, they can work out another point A to point B for her to get to to Rice. So um yeah, and again, we've got the orb about to come up. Just destroy it. All right. That's all you need to do.
1: Uh, I, this is just me throwing out, you know, a possible rewrite for this movie and is jumping the gun a bit, but I'll probably forget by the time we get there. Wouldn't the end of this movie have been more interesting since the first half is really just playing up on, you know, everybody's in it for themselves. You can't trust anybody. You know, who's betraying who? Who's a double agent? The end of this movie comes and there's this big showdown. They're all in the cradle of life. You have, you know, uh, the, the, the Chinese, um, uh, henchmen in here as well. And Count Dracula's there <laughs> and he thinks that. Chinese henchmen are on his side, but then they turn the yeah. gun on him and they Agree. want the cradle of life. Gerard Butler, you know, uh, Laura thinks that he's on her side. He turns the gun. And you just have all four of these parties and you don't know who to trust. That Agree. would have been a great way to end this movie. Yeah.
0: And have, and have one of them like, um, Open it, and, you know, like, I know kind of you get that temptation, Again, we're jumping well ahead here, but was it Raiders of the Lost Ark when, uh, you know, all the Nazis kind of melt because, uh, you mm-hmm. know, they're sort of tempted by it Or Like, have that. I want to see, like, what will happen. Like, we kind of get a weird thing with rice in the black vomit stuff at yeah. the end. Uh, but, you know, like, besides that brief little glimpse of Lara Croft about to open the box, we don't ever, ever see what's in it or what it does to people.
1: And you know what comes out of that big black ooze water thing at the end after they open it shark going roar and then Laura <laughs> punches in
0: the face and it's, it's a big plot twist the shark goes oh don't punch me Laura i'm here to help you we're the defenders of pandora's box
1: <laughs> yeah let's we can rewrite this movie it didn't take us long we made a more interesting movie already um so after their escape here uh, we find out that Laura Croft has Google Glass about a decade <laughs> early, <laughs> which we see a lot of in this movie. And, and let's be honest, she, she still
0: used it more than anybody actually did.
1: Uh. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, and she used it exactly the way you would expect her to. She's talking to her boys back home who are doing all the work for her because <laughs> she still can't read a book. <laughs> Um, and she's bossy to them in this movie. Like this is the – I talk about her being more likable in this movie. Definitely not as a boss. Like these literally <laughs> are slaves to her. They're not even people. Uh, so there, there's this um, – I, I guess another one of the love scenes or whatever where I really have to scratch my head as to what the whole purpose of it is because I understand where they're going with it trying to make this nice love story. They really do nothing with this from this point on. But Gerard Butler is talking about, uh, you know, betraying his country. He says it was easier to betray my country and my men than it was to leave you. Like that's not romantic or anything. Like that's actually really sick. For Jamie, it is. Yeah, for <laughs> people, as long as as long as the country fails and innocent men die, I'm okay. As long as it's all for me, uh, <laughs> it's just it's just a weird line. I don't like it. And, and from this point on, they have the one kind of sex scene that's coming out in a minute, but. The love story is basically dropped from that point on. Um, I guess we get, after this, more James Bondish stuff, which this was more Mission Impossible, and this was straight out of Mission Impossible 2, where in order to get the orb, we have to break into this building, we have to get through this type of security, we're going to get there, and when we do get there, the bad guys are going to storm in at the same time, it's going to be a fight for it, I'm going to make a giant jump out of the building, and then it's all going to be, this is exactly Mission Impossible 2's, I guess, second act clock, Oh. <coughs> ah. Jeez. It's exactly... You're starting to uh, choke
0: on Tomb Raider.
1: <laughs> yeah. It's not even the first one. What's wrong this with me? This movie's disgusting. <laughs> but um, it's basically exactly the, the second act climax for Mission Impossible 2. And again, if this wasn't a Tomb Raider movie, I think I'd like this more. But this is... I mentioned this on the last one. This has officially become office-building Raider at this point in the movie. <laughs> because... She's just breaking into office buildings and um the weird jump that they have off this. Now I feel like I'm being critical of things that actually look cool because unlike the first movie where we only had a couple of really cool stunts, most of them were just cartoony and dumb, and we only had a little bit of location and most of it was just really bad sets. You have great locations. We have this this great jump that they have. They both have off the top of the building with what do you even call those suits? I mean we to suits. me it's like kinda of like it's a what? Wingsuit. Okay, a wingsuit. So it, to me, it looks like a flying squirrel. So like the squirrel <laughs> jump here that they have off the top of the building, it looks great. But then Janabont, for whatever reason, lets this play for approximately six and a half minutes in one shot. It just goes on forever and ever and ever. And they just become two tiny dots, and you actually lose perspective, and it doesn't look impressive anymore. So, I mean... Cool jump, but a lot of things from this point on in the movie. I think this is where it's going to start to become really boring. It's been fast paced at this point. The dialogue scenes are going to start to drag. The action scenes are going to start to drag, and everything just becomes a little bit too much. Um, so I guess after this, we'll, we'll let's uh, include also the very long sex scene, uh, which <laughs> isn't really a sex scene, but when the Gerard Butler and Angelina Jolie start to get it on. Uh, they let the cameras roll for approximately six and a half minutes here, <laughs> and it ends in her handcuffing him because she doesn't trust them. So, playing again on that that thing I liked about Gerard Butler's character, the whole double agent thing—can I trust him or not? Doesn't go anywhere from here. It was it was great setups to just get dropped, uh, and then comes the single weirdest scene in this entire movie, where Lara escapes, um, needs to make contact with. Hillary and Bryce back at home. So she sneaks onto the houseboat of a poor Chinese family watching Spongebob eating their (laughs) breakfast. Just basically waves at them. They let her come in the house, take over their TV, turn it into a webcam. The little girl spits out her gum. Laura happily takes this gum with her spit dripping off of it and attaches the MacGyver webcam and then does a web chat with the guys back home. Where she again makes them do all the work on whatever this orb is and playing this, play the file. Just send me the file. And then it's like, this man is not a slave, he's a man. Treat him with some respect. Hashtag me this too. Hashtag, hashtag him too, okay? <laughs> um, but why we even had to have, it doesn't, Of all the things we wondered in this movie, of all the plot holes and things, at least now we have a solid answer that if you need this weird, annoying dolphin cry tone that's going to open the orb map to play, it cannot be played over an internet connection because the Wi-Fi is too bad. It's like Casper's playing Peppa or Spongebob in the other room. (laughs) It's not working. So you need to transfer the file for her to play it in person. And then what Uh... happens? The orb... (laughs) <laughs> the object of this entire movie finally opens and we get a glorious montage from BBC's Planet Earth. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Which who filmed this. Alexander the Great back in like the... <laughs> yes! <laughs>
1: Where's the, it has cuts in it. It, it hasn't has been
0: seen since Alexander the Great buried it in Greece. <laughs> and somehow you've got the great cinematographer I'm just waiting for David Attenborough. <laughs> the lion strolled across <laughs> yes. before Pandora's box. <laughs> Very technology advanced, Alexander the Great. Jesus.
1: Yeah, it's so spectacular. Um, and what if she just opened this up and was suddenly like, "Oh, it's just a portable DVD player. <laughs> this isn't Pandora's box."
0: No, it comes up with uh, like a thing like to see the rest of this. Purchase and pass to yes. BBC's Earth for nine ninety nine a month.
1: Download the app on yeah. the iTunes. <laughs> google play uh so i'll stop before we get to uh africa the home of jaimon hunsu in the year 2003 and every other year Uh, (laughs) um if you have anything you want to add on uh the uh, mission impossible break in the six and a half minute sex scene or the spongebob weird (laughs) spit gum webcam scene
0: You've covered, like, three-thirds, three-thirds of the movie. That's the full thing. You did skip over the helicopter fight between the two of them where, like, the guys are yelling at each other, Give me the money! You
1: give me the all, Give me
0: the money! I just kind of like their for a, back of- For
1: how long? <laughs> Approximately six and a half minutes.
0: <laughs> one thing I just want to quickly say before I forget, I, one thing that this movie does better than the first is... It's kind of, if you look at sort of Lara and Daniel Craig in the first movie and Lara and Gerard Butler, it's kind of, the similar things. And obviously they had a history and then obviously they turned against each other. You know, it's kind of just gelled over so quickly with Daniel Craig that, you know, they don't have anything time to explore it. And, you know, just getting Daniel Craig doing his stole, stole to get his sorry, sorry line out later on. But like they explore it more in this, obviously, you know, so I kind of, I appreciate the fact that they do that. Um, with their sort of, you know, back and forth. And, and, you know, they've got great chemistry, Angelina Jolie and Gerard Butler. And like, these are two people that I think most people with a pulse would want to watch six and a half minutes of sex with because these are like two beautiful people boning like Jesus Christ. Um, but yeah, I mean, I don't really know what else I've kind of got to add. The whole sort of sequence of them raiding the office building is, uh, you know, it's, it's interesting. Again, um, like, realistically just destroy the goddamn orb. How? Like, we're talking about technology in this movie, like, you know, yeah, the old Spongebob webcam thing, like, how the fuck does this rice guy get an orb and just connect it via USB to his computer and download it via, like, you know, USB to his computer? Like, I mean, this is freaking Alexander the Great's orb that he's had there buried for hundreds upon hundreds of years. Did Alexander the Great, while he was filming BBC Earth-style documentaries, go, I'll better put a USB B slot in this, just to make sure it's appropriate for 2003 computers. Uh, how is yeah. he downloading this to his computer? I don't understand it. Um, so, yeah, there's that. But, um... I don't, like, this is, there's so much glass getting broken in this office scene. And again, movie logic, glass does no damage to humans. Like, if you're standing underneath a glass ceiling and it falls on you, you have shards of glass coming down. Spider-Man 2, alright? Mrs. Octavius, like, getting ripped to shreds by glass is logical. This, Till Schweiger, just brushes it off. Oh, I'm German. Glass does not hurt the German people. Forget Um, that.
1: How about when Count Dracula here is for approximately six and a half minutes of this movie has Lara Croft's face pressed onto a table Yes, on top of glass and it comes off not even with a mark on it.
0: Yep, yep, exactly. Um so yeah, this this the sex scene, um you know, if uh, they and cool, good on him. Uh <laughs> The young, horny people, we were there once, at least I was, I don't know about you, Colin. Um, But, like, the boat sequence, like, come on, if Angelina Jolie walked into your room right now and she can do whatever she wants, she can connect the TV up, I don't give a shit, go for your life. Oh, you want to take over podcasting, Angelina? Here you go, have a microphone, connect whatever you want to in. Absolutely. Do you, you do you, Love. Um, so I'm down for that, but I I've noticed that I had no subtitles. Like my version of this, just I don't know what the hell they're saying to each other. So they're all just like shesh and like just talking along, and I'm like, oh yeah, cool, good on them. Um, but how is she connecting? This is just a average TV that she somehow connects to an aerial that somehow gets yep. onto like the the national grid of China. That can broadcast, like, cross country to the UK. And, like, why does, no- um, I'll call him Noah, Noah, Noah Groves, Noah Taylor. Uh, why does Bryce and Hillary not have a secret code? Like, you know, they've been recruited by MI6. Surely they could just be like, Oh, it's a sunny day today, Lara. And that's like code for we have been kidnapped. Don't trust me what I'm saying right now. Like, Lara's a bit dumb. Like, how is she, like, she just, you're right, she's bossy, she's demanding all this sort of stuff, and at no point is she suspicious. And then later on, it's like, <gasps> plot twist, we've got them hostage, you'll do what we say. Which again, she really doesn't give a shit after a while, does she? Like, so, yeah. yeah, it's kind of, it's nonsensical, like, to me, I love the fact that they're back in this film, Bryce and Hillary, but they're just wasted, they're just there. Um, but, uh yeah, I've got to love it, all the technology and everything that they can do, because, again, this is 2003. This doesn't work in 2018, half of what they're doing.
1: You know, if we go back last summer to our review of Spider-Man Homecoming, I know I had one complaint at the time, is that the movie had an overuse on technology as opposed to superpowers, Um and I feel like that's the same problem with this movie. I don't know why a Tomb Raider movie needs this much gadgets like the worst James Bond movies of all time had less gadgets than this movie has. And this is another reason why it kind of loses the whole tomb Raider feel here because she's just a spy. And obviously the games had a little bit of that to it. You know, you had action scenes, you may have had a scene where she's fighting inside of a building or breaking into a vault or something that's not involving a tomb. There may be some spy connections to the story, but I mean, that's everything here. And it's just, a, it feels like a Bond movie because there's an overuse on gadgets. It just becomes a, a generic spy story. But even just the stunts and the stunts in this movie do look good, like the, the, the squirrel jump or whatever. Um, or the upside down repelling. But again, it's just, it feels like another area where they were trying to be James Bond and they weren't doing that in the first movie. I like this movie more than the first one, partly for that, but it doesn't have an identity of its own. This hmm. is just a James Bond movie now.
0: Can I just... One thing I actually want to point out is just the the wingsuit things, which I remember when this came out, there was, like, a big deal about this scene because they did it... That was, like, legitimately done. Um, and these were, like, new at the time, these flying suit sort of wingsuits. Um, and I'm just reading here, they legitimately were invented in 1998, so they're barely five years old. And I think and again, correct me if I'm wrong, somebody out there, this might have been the first time they were used in a movie or something along those lines, but it was it was all done legitimately. There were no wires, nets or anything, no special effects, and it was all done completely legit. And, I'd, yeah, I just... I remember a lot of the uh, promotion for this film was talking up that scene because it was a, it was a big deal at the time.
1: Uh, everything from this point on, I guess I'll just cover all at one time because I don't have that much to talk about, but this is where we finally head off to Africa, and... It's a movie taking place in Africa in the late 90s, early 2000s. There is only one actor you're allowed to cast. His name is Jaiman Hunsu. Uh, <laughs> now, are you a Jaiman Hunsu fan?
0: Uh, I mean, look, I, yeah, he's like, as soon as I see him, I'm like, oh, that guy. He's liking everything. And like, he's, yeah. he's always likable, yeah. I, I mean, I couldn't have told you his name. I could have, but I wouldn't have been able to pronounce it. Um, but yeah, I, I'm a fan of his, of course.
1: Jaiman Hunsu actually got an Academy Award nomination a couple months after this for another Please. movie called In America. Not oh. this. No. <laughs> Jesus,
0: that wasn't on my list.
1: <laughs> um, but he's actually now had two Academy Award nominations because he got nominated for a movie called In America that came out only a few months after this. Uh, and then uh, three years or three or four years later, he made The Blood Diamond with Leonardo DiCaprio, got another Academy Award nomination. The guy's just brilliant. I mean, he was introduced in the movie Amistad, which I don't know if you ever saw the movie Amistad, but he gave an amazing performance. That was his movie debut, too, at the time. Um, from that point on, he just sort of fell into this zone of uh, being the guy in whatever country, then, in, whatever African country, then. we're going to be making a gladiator, and we need a guy in Africa, Jaiman Hunsu. We're going to be making the four feathers, and we need a guy in Africa, Jaiman Hunsu. And that's sort of all he did for a long time. Uh, I recently saw him in, um, what was it, Tarzan, where the Legend of Tarzan movie. We need a guy in Africa who's going to introduce the exact same scene we get here. He's going to introduce us to the tribe or whatever. Let's get Jaiman Hunsu. I just wish that, that he would have a little more success because now he's sort of fallen into this path of just doing – cameos in other movies like fast and furious guardians of the galaxy tarzan and all these other things but oh, i love guardians John
0: of the galaxy of course you're sorry like he was blue in that movie though wasn't he so like... well
1: he was the he was the guy where he the, the famous star lord who mm. like, star lord mm-hmm. yeah mm-hmm. The most well known as the who guy from that but two-time <laughs> academy award nominee here but uh, kind of wasted like a lot of things in this movie um so jimin Hunsu. I guess an old friend. And and I forgot he was in this movie. I, I don't even remember the first time I saw this movie if I noticed he was in it. um, what When I was looking at the cast going into this, I'm like, oh, and Hoon's in this movie. I was expecting him. And then when he showed up, I'm like, is that all they have for the guy? But of course, this was a few months before his Oscar nomination. Uh, he introduces them to the locals, the local tribe or whatever, who go on about more nonsense curse stuff that I completely zoned out during... This is just like the this is Kiris guy from the beginning. Um, And he's trying to warn them off of Pandora's box or whatever. But uh, Dracula and his crew come in here. (laughs) Uh, Gerard shows up to the rescue. We get this weird approximately six and a half minute walk through the dark woods. (laughs) And this is where it gets back to bland sets here again. This is why I was so disappointed because this movie started out with this incredible set, this incredible location. We've been to lots of great real locations in this movie. We've been to lots of great sets throughout this movie, and we end in a really dark forest that looks like it's filmed on a soundstage, where some weird black blood is pouring out of a tree, and multiple El Chupacabras start eating people whole, because that's what Tomb Raider movies have. Now, I don't remember the Tomb Raider movies that well. I'm sure that there was probably at some point some type of like monster they come across, but this does not feel like Tomb Raider at all, or, or, or am I forgetting and, and the video games had El Chupacabra in it?
0: Uh, I couldn't tell you if that El Chupacabra or whatever you just said in it. But, like, I mean, I, I there have been a few where you kind of did have, like, a, a monstrous sort of creature in the reboot, I believe, from memory. There was at least one where you had a monstrous creature. So, I mean, they kind of do have those elements to it, but, I mean... I, this is the whole sequence I honestly completely forgot was even in this, like when it got to this scene, I'm like, yeah. have I seen this movie before? I do not remember this. Like the guy peeing himself as these things are like eating him, <laughs> like I don't remember this.
1: Yeah, no, that's the same reaction I had because I don't remember everything about a movie, especially if it's been more than 10 years since I've seen it, but most of the stuff was coming back to me. I was remembering the, yeah. you know, underwater stuff. Uh, I definitely remembered all of the stuff, uh, you know, in China, the Great Wall and uh, all the, the city stuff. This zero recollection of it yeah. whatsoever, and I think that yeah. kind of just shows how boring this climax gets because there's uh, there's very little that happens here.
0: Yeah, and like the thing that kind of is interesting just, you know, with the side bits when Jarre Butler says what Hillary and Bryson, I mean, it's kind of just pointless. Oh, Hillary and Bryce have been kidnapped. Oh, we've forgotten about them. Oh, but they come in useful because yeah. he can fly a helicopter because we saw him flying on earlier in a video game. Um, like they go through all of this action, you know, great and it's, it's very Jurassic Park. All their visions based on movement. Um, and all that sort of great stuff. But then like, Frickin' Gerard Butler and all that just flying in a helicopter and drop down the hole. So, like, it's yeah. kind of like, back to your point in logic about why don't they just go there via these equipment, like they, you know, the snow dog sleds and this, that, and everything else. Like, couldn't they have just done this in the beginning? Can these Kubra Kani things or whatever jump up and destroy <laughs> helicopters? Yeah, uh,
1: they, they probably should. It's just, and they don't look great either. Like, th- no, this is the same. No, they do com- not. <laughs> I, I mentioned this with, um, you know, Black Panther, a couple weeks ago as well. If you're going to be filming your climax all in the dark, don't make every object black. Why? If Black Panther has a black suit, don't film him in a black location in the black of night. Mm. And if you're going to do this climax in a dark forest or whatever where the trees basically look black. And you have black water underground, and the cave walls are black. Why are these creatures a dark grey? It's not going to make them stand out that much. It just looks bland and boring. And I lose uh, track
0: of some of these people. Like the, um, is it our? Oh, I cannot say his name. The guy we've just been talking about. Uh, is it, he's the one who's kind of like, I will not leave your side. I will go with you right towards the end. He he disappears. <laughs> he does leave yeah. his. <laughs> he does leave side. Where is he? Daniel Craig. <laughs> <laughs> he did. And like Bryson Hillary. Where have they landed the helicopters? They're off getting married. Like, I mean, it just <laughs> <can't>...
1: <laughs> They could have come. There's the extra guns we were talking about they needed.
0: Yeah, I just... I don't... I don't get it. Like, there's people like the Tomb Raider franchise, the mysterious uh elements where characters just disappear. <laughs> it's like, where mm-hmm. have they gone? The Bermuda Triangle of the, the Tomb Raider franchise.
1: Um, but we get another fight here. Now, we've had some good fights in this series. We've had some bad <laughs> fights, but... Angelina Jolie versus Syrian Hines. I don't know if this is on anybody's list of dream fights where he basically tackles her over this orb and the ground opens up and they fall into what is the cradle of life. And here's where we get our really terrible climax that is almost moment for moment, shot for shot, identical to Indiana Jones in the Last Crusade. Down to the point of, here's this object here. It can give us unlimited power. The villain opens up. Now, you even mentioned, like, the Indiana Jones thing about, uh, the Nazis with the skin falling. Last Crusade, if you remember, was a similar thing where, um, he drinks from the wrong grail mm. and it steals his life from him. We even get the exact same shot. It's just, it's, it should have been done. I don't even care if you're ripping off Indiana Jones more. They should have done something where, as you said, he opens this bo- Pandora's box or whatever. And he gets hit by the plague or something like that. But instead, he just falls into water after we've seen it burn about an inch off Laura's ponytail. Yeah. And burn the handle off a of Char butler's gun. And then it slowly burns the flesh off his body. And it just doesn't even look good. And it was just a wasted climax for the movie. Um, Pandora's box is just a floating thing in there. Like, first of all, why is it floating? Uh, the cradle of life is the hole in the ground. Like, I don't, they're not even really explaining anything at this point anymore. And to make this even more of a ripoff of Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, after the villain is gone, you have your hero, Lara, in the place of Indy, and the love interest, uh, Gerard Butler in the place of um, I think it was Elsa uh, was the name in the uh the last crusade. It's been crusade.
0: a long time since I've seen the Indiana Jones movies, but I'll go with yes. I'm I spoiling
1: agree. it for you here. Um, and the just love interest. I watch them interest, all the time. And I said, watch them in the Sorry, yes. <laughs> the love interest can't resist the the power. It's too great. I need it, and they go after the box, and of course it costs them. And you have this moment where Lara just picks up the box and drops it, and it suddenly sinks. This thing's been floating for about. <laughs> A thousand years, and now it just sinks because, what, she taps it with her finger? It's just, uh, no. And we had the big – this is one thing I'll say it worked better on the first one. A very boring climax on the first one, but everything collapses around them. She sort of climbs out of this hole, and then she pops up and sees that Hillary and you – know, <laughs> They're all um, there. They're there. Right? Yeah. <laughs> they didn't bother to come and help. They could have you know, shot a chupacabra for them or grab Pandora's box away from uh, <laughs> Count Dracula. But no, they're off getting married, which I guess this kind of fits the really dumb ending with the robot in the first one. But I guess it's a little bit funny as they're getting their hair braided and the makeup put on there and they're talking about, you know, this is a wedding or whatever. Um, it's funny. Uh, it's it's an okay ending to the movie. Uh, it's dumb, though. <laughs> and nothing in this movie is really made for anybody over the age of 13, I guess. So... Um. Yeah, that's the end. Lara Croft, Tomb Raider, Cradle of Life. Very disappointing end. I really did enjoy the first half of this movie, but nothing in this climax is even remotely exciting.
0: Yeah, and like I really don't have a whole lot to say because I feel like I was saying it as long as we were going along there. But yeah, the the whole sucking into the water bit—just there's nothing there. You just. I, I kind of like that little temptation that she has where she's going to open it, but then she doesn't, and then it's kind of like, okay, yeah. put it away. Like, that's kind of okay. And I, I do like the whole twist sort of thing at the end. Like, as you said, it's not original, but I kind of just like the fact that, you know, he saves her. And I like that sort of bit where... we well, do doesn't really save her as such, but, like, the bit where they kind of, you know, my reward is you, and you're like, oh, happy ending, and then quickly they go against each other. So I, I like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, but, um yeah, there's not a whole lot to add. I mean, I, I, I was just quickly on the soundtrack because I watched the whole credits of this one, whereas I kind of didn't watch the whole credits of the first one because I'd seen it enough. But the only song really that there was two songs from this soundtrack that I actually quite like, it was the, uh, the title track they used, um, Corn Did My Time, um, which apparently I'm just reading he didn't appear on the official soundtrack, even though that was sort of the, uh, it was in the credits in the promoted film. If you watch the film clip for that, Angelina Jolie's in it, yay. Um, but I didn't actually realize that this song was kind of done for this movie, uh, The Last High by the Dandy Warhols. I really like that song. You hear that sort of at one point when, uh, Bryce is playing that video game and it's in the credits. But, um, not as memorable a soundtrack as the first film, I think. Uh, but it still has its moments. But uh on all that, I don't really have a lot to add on the ending. I pretty much agree with everything that you said about it. The the special effects not the standout for this film, oh. particularly in this closing bit with him getting sucked in the thing. The box looks cool, the way it glows.
1: Yeah, uh, the water looks so bad.
0: Yeah, I do like the little bits though when she like, like sort of backtracking kind of a though into this last bit where she lands in the car and the helicopter and what does he say? Like, oh, you can never just, you know, enter normally. And she's like, oh, I don't want to disappoint you or something like that. I kind of like mm-hmm. the way she does that. But, um, and poor old Till Schweiger, we didn't really mention got eaten by one of those mahogany things or whatever the hell they were. So <laughs> anyway.
1: Um. Wrapping it up here. Let's let's talk first about the box office for this movie. So, just in comparison, Tomb Raider one made one hundred thirty one domestically, one hundred forty three uh, overseas, two hundred seventy four million worldwide. Now, this it wasn't a flop, but we're looking at sixty five domestic, ninety overseas, one hundred fifty six. So, I mean, that's that's a hundred and twenty million dollars down from the first one, and Anybody who saw the first movie could have predicted, and this is what I talked about before, about why the studios just didn't get at the time, that you really have to judge the audience's reaction, that just because a movie's making money, it's it's simply because this is a huge franchise, there's interest in it, you have an actress who's famous, although not a box office draw, and people were going to see it regardless, and it didn't reflect on their opinion of the movie. So this movie, even the opening weekend is just, i guess less than half of the original uh, it mm. opened with 21 million dollars uh fourth place so the first one was like a huge opening it was one of the big openings of the summer this is fourth place uh number one that weekend was spy kids 3D game over and there's another <laughs> guilty pleasure of mine i love the spy oh, kids movie
0: get out of this podcast those movies are I ridiculous love-
1: Oh, of course they are. So are the, you defended Tomb Raider 1 and you're going to tell me the Spy Kids movies are too ridiculous. The, the cinema
0: of the early 2000s, really not a good period for movies.
1: <laughs> now, you can say Spy Kids, I mean, that was the first movie to capitalize on 3D, even though it wasn't modern 3D technology. It was sort of the last of like the old school red and blue glasses, but yes. uh, it was like the revival of 3D. Um, Seabiscuit opened $20 million, <laughs> so a million less. Tomb Raider in fifth spot. Uh, and Seabiscuit would go on to make a lot. Just, just because you opened it only $20 million doesn't mean much because Seabiscuit would go on to make uh, um, almost 100000
0: Sorry, I'm interrupting. Johnny English. Johnny was, yeah. I thought that was 2004 for some random reason, but no, it was 2003. Sorry, my bad.
1: So the big open that weekend was Spy Kids. Seabiscuit opened just below this. Uh, and that's pretty much it for major movies. Number one was Spy Kids. Pirates of the Caribbean, number two in its third weekend. Still $23 million. Bad Boys 2, another movie people hated. Uh, $22 million in its second weekend. And uh, after Tomb Raider and Seabiscuit, you had League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Uh, Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines. Finding Nemo, ninth weekend. $4.3 wow. million. Johnny English, second weekend, $4.3 million, and Legally Blonde 2, red, white, and blonde. Wow. Uh, I guess a big year. Um, Which is
0: interesting, just to interrupt, because, like, I know I just kind of said, all bad period for movies, but if I look at some of these movies, like, some real guilty pleasure fun movies here, like, obviously, the first part of the Caribbean, I've actually never seen any of the Bad Boys movies. I really actually like Terminator 3, Finding Nemo, yes. Johnny English, yes. Uh, Charlie's Engine, Full Throttle, no. Uh, Whale Rider, one of New Zealand's most successful ever movies, Italian Job, Bruce Almighty, Hulk, The Matrix Reloaded, oh. Too Fast, Too Furious, Daddy Daycare, Bend It Like Beckham, Jesus Christ, this is like Ben Waterworth's DVD shelf, uh, <laughs> the Lizzie McGuire movie,
1: <laughs> <laughs> Anger Management.
0: <laughs> wow. Uh,
1: so, critically, we talked about this on the last one. Um. Tomb Raider had 20% on Rotten Tomatoes. This is a mild improvement. Everybody talks about, oh, this was a huge improvement, 24%. So still probably, I guess, among the top half of video game adaptations. But as we covered in the last episode, the best-reviewed video game movie of all time is only 36% on Rotten Tomatoes, and that was uh, Prince of Persia, Sands of Time. So it's not like this got a great performance. Just going over a few of the reviews here. Uh, Roger Ebert, Mr. Horny for Angelina Jolie, Roger Ebert gave it three out of four stars, stating the film was better than the first one, more assured, more entertaining. It uses imagination and exciting locations to give the movie the same kind of pulp adventure feeling we get from the Indiana Jones movies. Like, did you get the same feeling from this you get from Indiana Jones? Uh, No. <laughs> well, it doesn't end there. Um, because David Rooney of Variety also praised Angelina Jolie for being hotter, faster, and more commanding than last time around as the fearless heiress, her- 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 she- plane- her- <laughs> adventurous, plus a little more human. Which I will agree with because by the end of this movie, we saw a cut on her body. A single cut. <laughs> she had her face grinded into broken glass, but that wasn't what did it. I think it was one punch from Syrian Hines or something. Um, negative views here. Uh, Renee Rodriguez of Miami Herald said another joyless, brain numbing adventure through lackluster Indiana Jones territory. Um, and James Berald- Berardinelli, uh, oh, says the first Tomb Raider was dumb fun. Cradle of Life is just plain dumb. The worst action movie of the summer.
0: <laughs> oh, come no. on. Charlie's Angels 2 came out that year. Yeah. <laughs>
1: And uh, let's cap it off. Angelina Jolie earned her second Razzie nomination for worst actress for this movie. Uh, and I've said this in past episodes. I mean, the Razzie's is more about let's put up the biggest movies that we can get a reaction out of people for putting up than uh, it has anything to do with, like, the actual worst movies. But still, you're talking about, oh, she's so good in these movies. This is why Alias made a bigger impact for female action heroes than this did because – she didn't even really get credit for these movies. You get the odd, horny, middle-aged man who loved her.
0: I think it's mm. unfair. I think that's unfair that she doesn't. I don't know. Like, I mean, Electra was rubbish. I mean, you look at all the other female-led movies. I'm not Agreed. talking about, like, Alias, but, like, you know, because that's obviously TV, but... Uh, I don't know. I just think that when people often always cite these female-led action blockbusters as failures until, like, Wonder Woman, you know, or Charlize Theron and Aeon, Aeon Flux, whatever it was called, and all these other kind of ones that they mention, like... Ah, yeah, like, I just really feel that like Angelina Jolie was a standout to me There's somebody that I actually think can hold it. I don't know. I, I just think that and she's
1: considering half as many people came back for the better second part. I'm sure there's a lot of people out there that agree. Well, with everyone me. was
0: sexist in the early two thousands. Colin, like, I mean,
1: <laughs> maybe, but, uh, here's the other thing. I, I, didn't even talk about this. I meant to mention in our first episode, but you know, you were mentioning about how this was like the first female action movie. I and mean, there are probably some other smaller ones, but, uh, uh, I guess you could even say Speed 2, you know, Sandra Bullock was the star of Speed 2, but she probably didn't get as much action as Jason Patrick did in that. But a real female action hero in here and how revolutionary this was. The funny thing is when this movie came out, nobody was talking about, oh, it's a female action star. When Alias came out, there was a little bit of talk about if you're going to compare it to anything, it's like a female Mission Impossible or a female James Bond. But it wasn't like everybody's was driving in, this is a female action hero. And I don't even think I remember that with like Aon Flux or Catwoman or any of the other ones. So in a weird way, it seems to be a recent thing where people are almost over-acknowledging this is mm. what it is. This was kind of – it came out and people are like, yeah, we know it's a woman who's doing an action movie. But nobody was talking at the time of the first movie or the second movie about how – there aren't a lot of female action heroes out there. It was just, hey, it's an action movie. It's based on That's the Tomb Raider point. games. It's Lara Croft. Everybody knows we, Lara Croft.
0: And we said that, didn't we, in the Black Panther one about how Blade sort of did it first, yet Black Panther has been credited as like the first yeah. one, whereas, I mean, it's so like the Blade movies weren't successful. I mean, they, what, did three of them? So, yeah. um, yeah, it's, 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 interesting to think that, isn't it? That, that kind of it, I mean, it's mentioned, but it's not mentioned as much. So, um, Yeah. What does that say about society now? (laughs) I don't know.
1: (laughs) And this, not to get into political debate, but I honestly believe that in a lot of ways, I'm not saying in all ways, but in a lot of ways, I think people were simply more accepting 10 or 20 years ago than we're being led to believe now. I think there's this big push to convince everybody that times are so much worse then. I think times are kind of worse now. And part of it is, I don't know, feeling like, Everything needs to be divided a certain way. And I I remember there was a story that came out with the Oscars uh, about how um, there were less women that won Oscars this year than there were in past years. But yet there was so much praise this year for the attention that was given in nominations and everything and, uh, I guess, more major roles and everything. And there were, I guess, a lot of people online who were upset commenting, thinking – a lot of women upset online commenting, thinking, we don't want you to give women an award – Just simply to even the odds. We just want equal attention in the movies, and that's where I think it's come full circle now. When you look at Wonder Woman last year, and even I didn't like the movie, but Atomic Blonde that came out a few months after that. And there's a lot of these female action movies that are starting to come out now, and even more. I mean, they just announced one the other day. Lupita Nyong'o and Viola Davis are going to do like a female Warriors movie (laughs) <laughs> I mean, that's that's amazing. You would never expect either of those actresses to do it, but this is going to become a new craze. And it's not about we need to give all the same attention. Uh, if you look at even the Oscars, last year we mentioned that the Oscars, they kind of overcorrected from the previous year of Oscars So White, uh, where they just simply, uh, not saying the movies didn't, weren't deserving, but they were definitely going out of their way to recognize and award a lot more minorities uh, and that maybe they wouldn't have won in any other year. It was simply, we need to correct this because people have the wrong impression about us. This year, we, we didn't really get a lot of minorities winning awards. But, you know, people were just as happy because they were getting better roles. And that's where it's come around. Because I don't think Laura Croft's a good role in this movie. But it's not unusual now that you get a female action movie where the role is really solid. And as much as I didn't like Atomic Blonde, and as much as I'm sure the new Tomb Raider movie is just going to be kind of average like these they're developing the roles and they're good roles and there's a lot more going on than there was in 2001 or 2003.
0: Yeah. I mean, I've said it before in other episodes. I mean, it's just going to be great. Then we can live in this period, go through this current period and just, you know, not have to care that we're watching a woman or a man or somebody who's black, white, Asian, whatever, who gives a shit? Like it's, it's as long as it's entertaining, it's, it's bringing what we want to get out of a movie. Stop pointing out things about a movie that we just shouldn't be caring about. It should just be watching a movie and should it be all like, you know, the role should be all for genders and races and everything as equal as everything else. And that's, that's to me what equality is. You know, somebody said to me the other day, like who defines what a is? And I'm like, like, there's no definite... Equality is what it is, equal. Like, there's nobody should be defining it. Everyone should just be equal. It's kind of how it is. And you kind of, I think, said it, that there are certain things that you can't be equal in. There's going to be things that women are going to have to do better than men. Men are going to have to do better than yeah. women. It's just it's just how it is. You can't deny that and stop trying to make up the gaps where, you know, you feel like this should be a thing. Um, but anyway, this is Political Oz coming soon to the Oz Network.
1: But maybe it was... And I, I think part of it was just us being younger. You know, whenever you're younger, it's like they say, no child is, you know, born prejudicial towards anybody because they have to learn those things. But maybe it was because we were younger when these movies came out. Like, I don't remember even noticing if, if you had told me in 2001, 2003, this is the only female action here out there. I'd be like, okay, I, I mean, I, I'm aware she's a woman, but it never, I I never stopped to think about this being a female action hero was just another yeah. action movie, uh, and maybe that was a thing different in the time. Like you said, everybody's feeling the need to point everything out now, and like, we need to make sure that you're aware that this is a female action hero or this is a female-led movie or this is uh, you know, an all-minority cast or whatever. Making people more aware of it, I think in some ways it, it, it's – it's kind of wrecking it because – and and again, maybe it was because we were younger and we just didn't realize at the time. But I liked kind of growing up and you got these movies and I just didn't even notice. I remember when the movie Haywire came out a few years ago with Gina Carano uh, and that was a big deal not because she was a woman in an action movie but because she was like an MMA star who wasn't even an actress. They said let's make a movie around it and there wasn't even as much talk then about this a female action. So I think there's been lots of movies out there. It's just – i don't i'm kind of just getting sick of everything being mentioned so much like you said
0: yeah no i completely agree and i just um yeah who cares just fucking watch a movie like i mean yeah. i don't give a shit if it's a male or a female on the lead if they're black though i don't give a shit if it's a good movie it's a good movie i hardly when noticed
1: we're... that angelina Julie was a woman in this movie
0: no me neither like you know <laughs> like and was she black was she white i just couldn't tell like i mean don't know um uh,
1: let's See where we're gonna go with this one because I you bought part one I did uh I've been really been the first one. I went as far as to say that it may be the worst movie we've covered yet on the Oz network in almost a year. are we in
0: dancing territory yeah we are, I think we're basically at a year now happy anniversary um, uh, yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> this is our anniversary, Lara Croft tour to the cradle of Life
0: we started in March some point um. Uh,
1: <laughs> Uh, this is
0: this is a podcast that's covered dirty dancing. Why did I not bring that up last episode?
1: <laughs> I think Tomb Raider 1 was a worse movie than D- Dirty Dancing. But I'll
0: oh, get out, out of defend- my life. <laughs>
1: yeah. uh, well, you may like where I'm going to go with this. Maybe not. Well, I don't know. We'll see. I'm more interested to see what you're going to do with this because you're such a huge fan of the first, which I think has more to do with nostalgia than anything else. And let's be honest, kids like any crap out there, okay? My nephews loved The Last Jedi. My nephews loved Spider Man Three. Um, y- when you were their age, you loved Tomb Raider One. But Tomb Raider Two, you may be more objective. So, what are you going to do? You're going to buy it, rent it, or bin it?
0: Um, I am, and I honestly probably came into these thinking that I would buy both. Um, just to quickly clarify, we start, first ever episode was released on March seventh. The six day recap. So today we're recording this to date it. Uh, on March the tenth, at least my time. So March the 9th for Colin. So basically a year to the day that we started. So happy anniversary, everybody. Um, I'm gonna rent it just because I think that, as I said, like I always felt that I liked this more than the first one. But kind of in watching this, I didn't. And there's so much of this film that I'm like, that I don't remember that. I don't remember this. I don't remember that. Like to me, it's like the first sixty percent of this movie I remember, and then I've just blocked out the ending. So, um, yeah, but I mean, I don't hate it. I still think it's enjoyable. Um, but yeah, I, I'd much prefer the first one. So I'm going to rent this one.
1: Well, I'm still bidding this one, but, (laughs) uh, I, I wouldn't be opposed to watching this movie again if it was on TV and I had the ability to skip most of the second half of it. There's a lot of things to like in it, but I mean, it's still a terrible movie, and there's still so many problems with it, and it's just not that interesting. Uh, but I am a little bit more interested in the new one, which is, I guess, the next thing we'll talk about. Um, we don't really have time to do a full preview episode, but the new Tomb Raider is coming out, and they've been talking about this for a long time. The first I heard about it, I think, was maybe about two years ago when they really started developing this. And uh, at the time, they were talking about Daisy Ridley was going to be starring, who's, of course, Rey in Star Wars. Uh, They ended up casting uh, Alicia Vikander Who's become a big star over the last couple of years Kind of out of nowhere And even won an Oscar a few years ago Uh, I'm familiar with her from other movies Um, First of all Before we even get into the movie What's your familiarity with the actress Alicia Vikander And what's your opinion just from what you've seen (laughs) on her as Lara Croft?
0: Um, Yeah, I have like no uh, experience with her Uh, (laughs) So (laughs) I, I looked her up I'm like, oh, she won an Oscar, okay? Uh, <laughs> and like looking at her filmography right now, yeah, I've not seen a thing with her in it. Um, she's attractive; she looks the part. I think of kind of this new rebooted Lara Croft, uh, and it's kind of interesting that both Tomb Raider franchises will be fronted by an Academy Award-winning actress. Ugh. Um, but yeah, I mean, I like, I don't mind kind of going into movies like these franchises where I'm not that familiar with them, if you know what I mean, because it, it kind of it doesn't really give me much to think about going into it. So um, I'm looking forward to it. And again, like, as I keep repeating myself, I was such a fan of the rebooted game that, uh, you know, I'm really intrigued to see what they do with it because the game just really served such a great storyline and sort of everything that kind of went with it. So it was a real different take on this character and this film franchise. So um, yeah, I'm interested to see how she takes it because I think she looks the part.
1: I think in some ways she actually looks the part of the original character more than Angelina Jolie, just because Angelina Jolie, she, I don't know, she, I say she just kind of had that constipation look for the whole first movie, but at least she kind of has this tough look about her. And I don't think that Lara Croft of the video games ever looked tough. And Alicia Vikander definitely looks a little bit more gentle, but she could probably hold her own, but you're not going to be like terrified of her. Uh, The movies I've seen her in, I'm kind of divided on because I think, Half of them, I thought she was just really boring and unimpressive in. And then the other half of them, I thought she was okay to maybe slightly good. Uh, she was in The Man from U.N.C.L.E. with Henry Cavill, which did, maybe didn't have a ton to do in that movie. Well, I think she she was she had a good amount to do, but just wasn't that impressed in it. Um, Ex Machina is probably the big one that uh, she was in. I don't think she was nominated for any awards for it, but that was a movie where she played kind of an artificial intelligence woman uh robot or whatever and that i thought she was really good in um the only other one that uh i think she was slightly impressive in was jason Bourne. she had like a smaller role in jason Bourne. again it wasn't like an action role so at this point we haven't seen her do anything other than kind of just be the, the character on a computer or you know the girlfriend or female lead to other spies in other movies so from the clips i've seen it definitely looks like she handles the action well she probably does more of her own stunts than angelina jolie as well um but the movie itself i guess that's the next thing to really talk about about you you we ha- were very critical of the first trailer and i think not quite as much of the second but based on the trailers you've seen what are you thinking about it
0: uh you said to me the second one's better i i don't know like this is just one of those ones that when i heard about it being announced that <clears throat> i wasn't overly excited for again it's just a kind of the case when you hear about a reboot you just kind of like, uh, do we need it like you know like i don't know so as i said i'm going to be interested to see what they do on the game because i'm such a fan of the, the the reboot but um the trailers just haven't really sold me i don't know there's just something about them i've read a few kind of uh reviews about it already uh it doesn't necessarily look like we're going to be getting anything groundbreaking either um to kind of put a spoil on it i mean i would always going to go see this film you know no matter what But it's just, it's just one of these things where it's like, is it necessary? Do I need it? But having said that, look what I said about Jumanji, and I came out of that, you know, in that last week in our Oscars one, so that was one of my biggest surprises, maybe the biggest surprise of the year. So, um. Yeah, I don't, I really don't know how I'm feeling going into this because as such a fan of the Angelina Jolie ones, it's kind of, you know, you're going to be a bit skewed. It's like, if they decided to remake all the James Bond movies and they get to Die Another Day, I'm sure you're going to be like, well, they can't do any worse, so bring it on. Nah. Like, this is going to be great. Whereas I'm going to be like, uh eh, do we really need to remake Die Another Day? Just leave it how it is. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'm just going to be intrigued that they do with it, um, based off the game and kind of see how it goes with it, but, um, you know, we, you know we're going to be doing a review and I'm going to be comparing it to Angelina Jolie a lot. So, yeah.
1: It really doesn't look anything like it. I think, the from the first trailer, and I haven't played the more recent game that this is uh, more based off, which I guess is has a lot to do with the whole stranded on an island thing. Yeah. Um, I don't know if they pull as much from it. It's like a, it, ship, but
0: a ship crashes and she gets mm-hmm. stranded on the island. It's kind of an origin story of Lara Croft, yeah.
1: Yeah, that's the other thing, is that are we really going to be getting Lara Croft from the games or anything else like that, or is she going to be an archaeologist at at this point? Like, we don't really know, but I felt like at least with the action, it felt more like stuff out of the game. For one thing, they're in a jungle. There are tombs in it. It's not Mm. an office building. It's not the great wall of China. It's not this or that. Um, It looks like a a little bit more of a Tomb Raider movie. It maybe looks like it's going to be a little bit too serious. Uh, I think the only really fun part- Which the game
0: is. Can I just point out? The game is very serious.
1: And that's the other thing i was going to say i mean if i have a, another criticism and i have plenty of them but if i have another criticism of uh this um the first two movies that we're talking about here it, it would be that they're so cartoony and that's not really what the games were like uh the games they weren't like so overly serious they had some fun moments but it was kind of like an action drama it was something you could take just as seriously as indiana jones this movie looks like it may be almost a little bit too serious though and i think the only fun part we got was the uh The the little bit with Nick Frost in there, which I'm guessing Nick Frost is going to be the the Bryce of this movie or whatever. Um, A couple other decent actors in the movie. uh, Dominic West, who's going to be playing her father, Lord Croft. And uh, obviously I said it's probably going to be a cameo, but Nick Frost from Shauna that did Hot Fuzz and everything. Kristen Scott Thomas is in this. (laughs) Like That's something you've said about. She really has come back. Darkest Hour revived her career, apparently.
0: Good for you, Kristen Scott Thomas.
1: Let's make her the new Lara Croft.
0: Um, wasn't she? No, I was thinking of someone else. Um, I just love the name of this guy, Walton Goggins. I actually, uh, very yeah. good friend of mine's last name is Goggins. Uh, but just that name, like, you know, compare, Walton Goggins. <laughs> like, it just sounds so, yeah. I mean, I think the thing to really look out for this movie, though, because, like, with the, the reboot, it kind of, she's on an island, she's had a a boat crash and she's kind of like finding a way through this island and kind of, it's her discovering tombs. So it's kind of like her initial introduction to kind of this. And I think she's on like a research vessel or something, but a lot of the game has to do with sort of these mercenaries trying to come after her and things like that. So I'm assuming you're going to have things like this with, you know, mercenaries trying to come after her and things that are happening on this island that she shouldn't be discovering. So, um you know it's it's a big shift in many aspects from the original games the tone and everything like a lot more of this is focused on say like bow and arrows rather than like guns and things like that um because that was a huge part you had like a grappling sort of thing in the game and the reviews that i have read have said that like this does very much feel like the video game so um yeah it's just going to be about the story and everything else around it's going to see how it plays out
1: and also, it's going to tie into obviously her father as well, which we only got a little bit of in the first movie. But there's th- this island, at least from the trailers, it looks like a lot of this plot is going to be about her discovering whatever happened to her father as well. So we're going to get like a proper backstory here. I think it looks good. I don't know if it looks great. Uh, I'm just it's it's a weird thing that I haven't really played a Tomb Raider game in maybe 17 years, like since the first movie came out, or maybe in between the, the two movies. And I didn't like the first two movies, but yet I get excited about Tomb Raider kind of the same way I did when I was a teenager. And it's like, it's like Indiana Jones, <laughs> but a woman. And There's a reason a for you getting off. excited
0: like a teenager for, for Lara <laughs> Croft. It's just,
1: this this you know. is my nostalgia here too. But um,
0: <laughs> Play the new know, game. I, the new game is brilliant. I definitely would recommend that to play it.
1: Yeah, and... I'd like to get back into these games too and, you know, maybe this movie will get me interested in that as well or I'll find the time for the video game but I'm finding myself really excited for this movie because I also just like these types of adventure movies and I don't know, we we don't get Indiana Jones movies very often and sometimes when we get them they're not all that great so if nothing else this can kind of be like, you know, something to bridge the gap before they eventually do a, a final great one Indiana Jones movie like Indiana Jones 5 or whatever but I'm under like no uh, no impressions that this is going to be a great movie. I think the first reviews started yeah. to come out. I can't find them now. I read two reviews. One said it's actually slightly worse than the first two movies. Another one said <laughs> it's an improvement, but it's nothing special. So when yeah. we come back a week from now or wherever, or maybe in a few days, uh, yeah, by the end of the weekend hopefully, I don't think we're going to be talking about this as the greatest movie ever. But I'm still excited for it.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's just going to be interesting. The one I read, like the main one, I think it gave it like a two and a half out of five. And, you know, Mm -hmm. again, similar that, you know, it should be great, but it's not. And it's just the ongoing theme. I think really we are at this point with video game movies where no one expects anything. So it's, yeah, as I said, like we're going to get one one day that's going to blow everyone out of the water. But uh, yeah, from what we're gathering with this, it's not going to be it. But, um, you know, uh, I think it, it's not coming out of this. Like, I think as soon as Assassin's Creed came out, they started saying, this is terrible, this is terrible. Whereas, you know, at least they're not coming out of this saying, oh, it's terrible, it's terrible. It's, it's just, it's in the middle. So, um, We're on an average of a rent it right now, perhaps, for the new Tomb Raider. But, uh, hopefully, uh, the esteemed Mallory will be joining us again for, uh, this one. So, uh, look, look forward to that. Uh, cause she's told me that she likes the second one better than the first one, too, out of these two. So, um, you know, we, we, we missed out having some fun stuff with her on these episodes.
1: Yeah, and don't expect Jamie because she has zero interest in this movie and is actually because there's no shirtless men. So <laughs> yeah, I'm sure there will be at some point, but uh, Daniel if it's Wu. not Daniel Craig or Ger- Daniel Wu. Yeah, he's he's not Daniel Craig. He's not Gerard Butler. She's not in. But I'll be going to see this opening day just because I got nothing better to do that day. But uh, <laughs> we'll be back to talk about it. So that that may very well be our next movie episode that we cover.
0: I reckon um, it will be. I mean, what else are we doing in between?
1: Yeah. Hands? So I think it will be.
0: Oh, actually, what about Red Sparrow? What happened to that?
1: Uh, Well, probably by the time this episode goes out, maybe you will hear Red Sparrow. Um, <laughs> so, or if not, uh, maybe within 24 hours or something. It'll, it'll be coming very soon, but yeah, we saw Thanks Red Thanks for
0: Sparrow. reminding me, Ben. Uh- <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs>
1: um, but outside of that, we should just say we do have a lot of big franchises they're gonna be releasing sequels and we're gonna be covering stuff in between we're we're hopefully gonna be doing some jurassic park months
0: hopefully we'll be doing that no matter what fucking happens all right yeah
1: uh my thought exactly on doing a mission impossible month but uh before we get there the the big one is obviously the avengers so uh, we should talk a little bit about that we're not gonna go too into detail on every single movie but most likely, we're going to cover at least the first two uh, Avengers movies. Maybe if we have time, we could throw in Civil War there. But we, we would like to also cover, I guess, our opinions and maybe rankings on all of the Marvel movies up until this point. So, like, Phase 1, Phase 2, leading us all the way up to Black Panther or whatever, because we've seen all these. Uh, yes! So, finally, Avengers, I have! <laughs> yeah, it, it only took you about two weeks to get through, though. So, you you're a busy man. <laughs> You watch all the best pictures in one week. You watch all the Avengers movies and all the Marvel movies in one week. Um, obviously, the scheduling is around me right now. But uh, any excitement for the Avengers movies? Are like I don't know how long ago you actually watch these, or if it legitimately was the first time you saw either Avengers.
0: Oh, it was. It absolutely was the first time. I mean, leading into me re-watching all the catching up in the MCU movies, I'd seen Iron Man, Hulk, uh, Spider-Man Homecoming. That was basically what I was up to at that point. So, yeah, it was at the end of last year, kind of, you know, through November and December, I finally caught up of all the, um, the MCU movies. So, I watched them all very quickly within each other and everything. So, yeah, I've only seen both the individual Avengers movies once. Um... And, I mean, out of my rankings, I don't think I had either of them in my top 10. I, I mean, you know, I think the first one's better than the second one, um, <laughs> which I think is generally the, uh, the correct, uh, thing to say there, Ben. But, uh, like, I wasn't blown away by the first one either. Like, I went into the first one, everyone telling me about how, like, oh, it was so good, it was so good. But, um, I mean, you know my opinions. I much prefer Justice League over the Avengers movies, and everyone hates Justice League, so I'm just losing more people listening to this, but, yeah, I, I'm looking forward to talking about them though, because really I haven't, what, besides Black Panther, I haven't really been around on Homecoming to talk about any of the MCU movies with you, not, you know, withstanding the, um, original Spider-Man movies. So, I'm looking forward to kind of going over them, uh, you know, of course the trailers for Infinity War look amazing, you know, they get me excited, considering that I've caught up on everything now. Um, but you know, kind of out of the three Marvel movies this year, the one that I'm still most excited for is Ant Man and the Wasp. So this is kind of like the the middle one that I'm most excited for. So I think people can generally see my um, you know, fandom of Marvel movies if I'm more excited for Ant Man and Wasp than I am for uh, Infinity War.
1: And we don't want people to get you know too anxious because this is probably still about three or four weeks away before we start those, but we will be covering those ones for sure. And, I, I mean, for me, I I think I'm I'm a big fan of most of the Marvel movies. Uh, there is one of the Avengers movies, which I think you could probably figure it out, that I absolutely don't get at all. Oh. And uh, <laughs> <laughs> there's at least four or five uh, Marvel movies that I absolutely don't get at all. <laughs> uh, we will be talking about one of them, though. Uh, one of these Avengers movies, I think, is... is I don't know. I'll just say it. Age of Ultron, I think, is terrible. Uh, I mean, maybe at the level of at least one of these Tomb Raider movies. I won't tell you which one. So (laughs) it'll be fun to cover those. But I'm actually more excited than anything else to just go over, even if it's just we spend five minutes on Iron Man 1, five minutes on The Incredible Hulk and just – get our overall opinions of those so i agree that will be coming soon uh tomb raider coming soon as well and uh the tv coverage will continue on the survivor side and uh, rupaul's drag race or all those other things make sure to uh, subscribe to us on itunes stitcher uh any of the other platforms out there that you know of Ben that uh, we should be throwing out there we should be recommending
0: spotify that's about it yep
1: um like us on facebook follow us on twitter troll us on both uh, just go about your regular business Oz Network listeners uh, we'll be back very soon with more Tomb Raider stuff and my name is Colin and I don't expect anything from an Australian man
0: and my name is Ben and don't be looking at my ass thank you for listening to the Oz Network don't forget to subscribe to get new episodes delivered to your speakers every week for more information hit us up at theoznetwork.net.